This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up? What's up? My Take Radio episode 92 for Thursday, May 19th, 2011. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter 2's Frets of Fury, and the artist was Vertex Guy. You can download that and any of the other previously used intro music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The caller number is 347 324 3541. Again, that caller number three four seven three two four three five four one. All right. Too much stuff is going on this week. Um, for those of you that have kept track, I have had computer issues since Sunday, and um, my biggest concern was getting the computer up and running to be able to give you guys a show this week. And sadly, it, it like anything else, it just tends to take a shit, and that's pretty much what happened in this particular instance, only because we, um, put it, put it like this, it's just, you, you plan for so much shit, and then everything just hits, hits the fan, so, um, I, I, you know, I'm gonna give you, give you guys the best show I can, I'm gonna be joined by Hip Hop Gamer at 11.30, I have no notes, I have no prep, I have no sound clips, I have nothing, it's just going to be me bullshitting with you guys and trying to keep up with all the stuff that happened this week as best as I can, all from my head. Um, to give you guys a rundown, pretty much what happened was I had my computer on Sunday and Windows Update dropped, decided to do the update, left the updates downloading, proceeded to go out and do all my errands, come back, click OK to restart it, restart the system, some weird blue screen. So I've spent the last few days trying to restore it and hasn't exactly been working the way I wanted to. I can tell you that much. Um, it's really fucked up. For some reason, also, I'm having issues looking at the chat. I don't know why the chat's not working. It's, it's just it's going to be a fun show. Um, like I said, Hip Hop Gamer is going to be joining us this week. He'll be calling in at 11.30 p.m. Eastern uh, to discuss what he's doing with the Hip Hop Gamer Show, his work with Sony, as well as a couple of other things and a couple of other grievances he has. Also, I want to get a little bit of insight into the origins of Hip Hop Gamer, how he partnered up with Sony, et cetera, et cetera. So like I said, he'll be joining us at 1130. Um, in addition to that, our Facebook page has been a little dead this week because I've had no computer. Same thing with posts. They're a little behind. Um, Andrea put up a great post regarding Smallville, um, which definitely you guys got to check out. I also put up a post regarding all the extras and stuff you're going to be getting with the Sucker Punch Blu-ray. You can read all that stuff at MyTakeRadio.com. Regarding T-shirts, as of this point, 
things are on hold because I got to get this computer up and running first, but I promise you we will have T-shirts. And our guest next week, once I get my notes together on a calendar, I'll be able to tell you guys on the fan page. So, again, I apologize, so please bear with me. Now, a couple of things I want to discuss in the in the open, uh, you know, in my little opening monologue is obviously computers are the devil. And um, for anybody that takes the time to message me on Facebook and walk me through how to fix it, thank you guys. I got to definitely extend the thanks to Val, uh, Kevin from VGN also stepping in, giving me his advice. Uh, like I said, as best as I can here, folks, that's how we're running tonight. But Here's a here's a funny thing about computers. Everybody who I've talked to this week about my issues, you know, everybody walks me through, gives me a lot of great opinions at work. Then you get a couple of people who automatically say, get a Mac. And, and that's fine. You know, I had a Mac. It's a great system. But like anything else, I just didn't have any use for it. There's a part of me that wishes I had a Mac so I can... I can at least jump on an alternative PC with a little less worry, but hey, shit happens. I, I do plan on getting a Mac again at some point. I The only thing I have Mac-related right now is an iPad and hopefully a new iPhone 4S, which supposedly is going to be released in September, which should be on T-Mobile and Sprint as well. It will be a world phone, so I am not going to waste an upgrade upgrading any Android phones, and I'll probably get an iPhone 4S on my carrier when it drops. Also, Obviously, for those of you that have not, that have been living under a fucking rock, you know that allegedly the world is supposed to end on Saturday at 6 p.m. That's the that's what all you know the 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 the, um, the fear mongers are are putting out that that the world is supposed to end at six o'clock on Saturday. Now, the funny thing about that is that you're basically going by calculations and stuff that are fucking ancient. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, everyone's entitled to their beliefs, and I don't really want to discuss religion too much because it's a touchy subject, but I'll be 100% honest with you guys. I'm quote-unquote, you know, born and raised Catholic. I haven't been to a church, I don't know, in how many years. A couple of reasons why. Basically, my rationale for it is that there's no reason for me to go to a church and pray and you know, do all this stuff, and then when I get in my car to drive home and somebody cuts me off, I tell them to go fuck their mother and crash into a ditch. I just feel that that's very hypocritical, so for that, I just keep my ass home on Sunday. Not only that, but then you got the holy rollers that get the false sense of entitlement because they go to church every week and they feel that, you know, the the Lord has a plan and blah, blah, blah. Look, I, I'm not saying I'm an atheist. There's probably some sort of a higher power, but a higher power's involvement in our day-to-day lives just isn't legit. It's just not. Think about it like this. If if there's a higher power that actually that, that was compassionate towards, you know, the human race, you know, would babies get killed? Would some of these really gruesome crimes happen? No. If anything, they are a casual observer. That's That's how I like to call it. I think that any higher power is a casual observer, and we are fish in a fucking tank. The The funny thing is that you see these guys, and they, they're like, oh, well, the Lord. The, the, the best one I heard today on the way to work was that one of the fear-mongering people that think that the world is going to end 
called into Opie and Anthony and said that the world is going to end because of the overpopulation of minorities and the acceptance of gays. How funny is that shit? That's that's the rationale as to why why the world is supposed to be wiped out um, in, in you know Saturday at six o'clock. Here's 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 how I see the whole the whole thing playing out. Saturday is gonna come. Six o'clock is going to get here. Everybody's going to pause for a minute and be like, all right, let's wait for the ground to shake and wait for some sort of cataclysmic event. Then 601 is going to pass. You know, guys are going to continue to cheat on their girls. Chicks are going to continue putting on lip gloss while they're driving. Fat people are going to continue eating, and I'm going to continue being irritated as usual. Nothing is going to change. And what I'd like to do is find these guys that believe this stuff after 6 o'clock and go, what happened? I thought the world was supposed to end. It's like, where were you guys? Where were you guys at 6 o'clock on Saturday? I thought it was this whole big thing was going to happen. It almost takes me back to when I was a kid, and I used to see that, that, that rag in the supermarket, the Weekly World News, which uh, they said that all the Chinese people in China are going to jump simultaneously to knock Earth out of orbit to end the world. This was the kind of shit that, was, that has been prophesied for for as for as long as I can remember, every every couple of years, there's a different way that the world is going to end. The Mayan calendar, which is next year. Next year, it's going to be oh, the Mayan calendar said that the world is going to fucking end and blah 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 and get ready. And you know you're going to have your your fear mongers stockpiling water and guns. Put it like this. And I asked you guys in the in the in the chat, I mean in the Facebook fan page, you know if the world was going to end, what would be your last meal? And what song would you like to to have playing? And I said that I'd like to be eating Korean barbecue and listening to the game by Disturbed, just because that's that's how that's how nonsensical this shit is. When you can sit there and actually plan the apocalypse, like you know, you're gonna say, oh well, you know, when the world ends at six o'clock, I plan on eating a jelly donut and possibly robbing a bank. That that's the kind of shit that that I heard today. You know, because it's it's fucking Thursday. Tomorrow, it'll probably get ramped up a little more. And, of course, living in New York City, you see mass transit everywhere you go. Buses, cabs. And this one guy, he spent, he spent I think, $950,000 um, with an ad campaign about the end of the world. Like, I pulled up next to a bus today that said, repent, the end is near. Like, on some real Rorschach... Watchmen sandwich board shit. And I proceeded to drive on by next to the bus for a good five lights, at which point a fat girl was proceeding to BBM while driving on the corner of a main avenue, which is Old Country Road, and another avenue, Glen Cove Road, and veered into my lane. So the world wasn't going to be, my world wasn't about to be ended by a higher power. It was about to be ended by a fat chick with chubby fingers that couldn't wait five seconds to be stopped to BBM somebody. My response to that was I rolled down the window and I said, it's not the end of the world yet, bitch. Put your phone away. And, you know, she looked at me, she made a face, and she put her phone away. And that's how I proceeded to start my day. Rage-induced, not only because my computer was busted, but because this chubby, walrus-faced asshole was BBMing while driving. She was doing at least 40 on a main avenue with at least stoplights every couple of feet. 
And I've realized that to combat this, I've come up with an invention that I'm going to see if I can get it patented, and it's just going to be the the phone shutter. That's it. It's just going to be a gun with a boxing glove attachment, kind of like the boxing glove attachment that Green Arrow uses. And I just want to shoot, the, pull the trigger, and it's just going to extend and proceed to punch people in the face. That's what I'd like to do. Just drive. Oh, you're on the phone. Whip out the gun. Oh, my God, please don't shoot. And a boxing glove just comes out and punches them in the face. And, and, and sure as shit, I needed to say Acme on the side of it for it to be complete. Because that's what happens. This is the kind of shit that happens. Everybody's talking about zombies and how they wish there was a zombie apocalypse. And I'm seeing it all in the chat room, and I'm laughing to myself because I can almost guarantee you that if there were a zombie apocalypse, a lot of motherfuckers I know would be dead because they're either out of shape, they're lazy, or they have no planning whatsoever. Hell, I think a couple of motherfuckers may even sleep through the zombie apocalypse. I can tell you this much, though. I'm a psychopath, so I'll probably survive for six months, maybe a year. Then I'll go crazy and proceed to kill anybody that wanders into my property, and they'll think I'm a fucking zombie and burn down my house because that's that's the kind that's the kind of ending I see. Just a real uh, post-apocalyptic shit kicking. That's that's what I'm expecting. For some of you I know, and I see you guys. Yeah, I'm gonna survive, and I got all these guns stockpiled, and blah blah. Fuck you. You're full of shit. A dead person crawls through your window, and you're gonna go, Oh my god, it's a fuck, and, and you're just gonna go nuts. Anybody that thinks for a solitary fucking second that they're gonna survive a zombie apocalypse, it's, you fuckers are insane because you know what it is? You say to yourself, yeah, I'll survive until you see a dead person really move. Don't, don't talk shit. Don't. I can tell you right now, I'll probably survive for, for a month, maybe six months, then it's going to be a rat for me because I'm going to go crazy or I'm going to start killing the zombies and fucking eating them because, hey, motherfuckers got to eat, right? But, um... Yeah, this monologue just went into fucking, into Hellsville. But I will jump into one thing that um, that did get my attention, and it's uh, Chael Sonnen, and, you know, of course, I'm jumping into MMA a little bit. Chael Sonnen went before the California State Athletic Commission this week, and he is indefinitely suspended based on allegations that he lied under oath regarding his testimony, and he was also, some people are saying because he, he took a plea bargain for that um for that real estate case. And the funny thing is that he went in there and he there was an impassioned plea. He even gave up the goods that he was going to be on another season of the Ultimate Fighter. He was going to be coaching a season of the Ultimate Fighter with Michael Bisping and the the California State Athletic Commission did not want to hear that shit. They pretty much said fuck you. You can reapply for a license in May of 2012. So for Chael Sonnen, he pretty much said that if he can't fight, he's going to retire. And I'm a little bummed about this because, you know, there's, there's a lot of hearsay about what, what went down during, during the hearing and, you know, regarding his testosterone therapy and who said what. But at the end of the day, I see it like this. The guy's been suspended already for, for a year and change, a little, probably a little bit more than a year. He served his time. There are guys, Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez. I can go down the list of motherfuckers that put a needle in their ass 
and are still either directly involved with baseball or just or are or actively somewhat involved either front office or whatever. And it's just unfortunate that the guy he he did a one year suspension and Dana White suspended his contract. He's not making any fucking money. And they're like, yeah, well, you're just going to sit on the shelf for a year because we think that you didn't tell us exactly how the testosterone shit came into play, and you may or may not have lied. It's like, the dude hasn't made money in a fucking year. There's worse shit out there. I'm sure that he's learned his lesson. And not only that, but you're depriving the fans of a fight that will probably be super awesome, and the level of shit talking will be fucking cataclysmic. It'll be huge. Because Michael Bisping can talk a lot of shit, and Chael Sonnen is, he is the, the messiah of shit talking. Like, he, he's the fucking guy that you'll be like, fuck you, man, and he'll say, fuck me, fuck you, because you're a shit-kicking piece of shit hillbilly who doesn't give a fuck about anything. And he'll just fucking obliterate you. Like, some of the shit that he's finished motherfuckers with, it just it just boggles my mind. Like, you know, with Anderson, it's like almost freestyle. He freestyle insults you. Like, you'll be like Anderson Silva pink shirt. And he'll be like Anderson Silva and his pink shirt is about as manly as a ballerina. Like, he'll do some shit like that, and it'll, it'll just blow your mind. Like, you'll just sit there like, like what just happened? Like, he, it's that kind of shit that, that bugs me out. And, uh, again, I'm sad to see him on the shelf, but I think that he will... He'll be back sooner rather than later just because somebody somebody's going to make shit happen. I really would like to see it. In some other news, Brendan Schaub, who was on the show not too long ago, he, um, he of course, quote-unquote, retired Mirko Krokop. How legit that is, I don't know, because he hasn't formally announced a re- uh, retirement, but he's gone publicly and said that he wants to fight um, Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira and sure as shit, the UFC honored that request, and he's actually going to be fighting Nagara at UFC 134 in Rio, which, of course, is going to be headlined by Anderson Silva and Yushin Okami. It's, it's definitely great to see that fight, but a lot of people kind of feel that it's like Brandon, Brandon Schaub is going to be the guy that just retires motherfuckers. Like, he's not being tested um, fighting younger guys. Take it, for, take it for what it is. Me, personally, I don't go into the semantics of shit like that. Like, I just give a fuck about exciting fights. Like, of course, everybody's talking about Hamill and Rampage being the main event now for this upcoming, you know, upcoming UFC event. And some people are sitting there and they're like, wow, this event is really shitty, blah, blah, blah. I shouldn't, nobody should be paying for it. But you know what? Some people genuinely give a fuck about that, that, that whole card. Frank Mir and Roy Nelson uh, is definitely a, a motivating fight that's going to get me to purchase. Hamill and Rampage, the only reason I'm, I'm interested in seeing that fight is because in Matt Hamill's case, you know, you have a guy with a ton of potential that's hampered because he's deaf, but can beat your ass like the best of them. Rampage is, is kind of on the fence, you know, his, his non-impressive performance against Rashad and then his you know, his passable performance against Machida, he's, he's kind of on the, bu- on the bubble, and I don't think it's a fight where he may get cut or something like that because Rampage is, is, is too big of a name to just cut on a second fight. But I do think that Rampage is going to 
He's going to try and play it safe because Hamill's wrestling is phenomenal. I think Rampage is going to want to stand and, and, and bang with Hamill only because Hamill's hands are not that good. I mean, yeah, he does have, he does have strong punches, but he's not a finisher in striking. He usually uses the, the blanket and he smothers you to death. But I really think it's going to be an interesting fight because for argument's sake, if Hamill wins, where does he stand in the light heavyweight rankings? He's been solid in his last couple of performances, a couple of victories under his belt. Is he a guy that gets considered for contention? And if so, you know, is he going to be next in line? Is this going to be a number one contender's fight? Because somebody said to me this afternoon, and, you know, I'll, I'll have a remain nameless. They go, Ramp, you're, you have Mr. T versus a death guy. And I, and I kind of got it. I, I took issue with it because they didn't look at the bigger picture. Matt Hamill, is, he's overcome a lot of adversity. He's actually got a movie on his life, based on his life coming out. And he's on the, on the verge of possibly challenging for a major belt in his division. Mind you, once again, I got to paint it in big fucking letters. The man is handicapped. Oh, yeah, it's like, yeah, but he's only deaf. But being deaf affects everything, your motor skills. And he's even said that it's very tough when he's fighting because he has to watch his corner and learn and, and read lips and look at mannerisms to be able to pick up what his corner is telling him to do, which is, which is crazy because think about this. Think about the amount of concentration you're going to require that as you're getting punched in the face, you have to look in your corner and figure out whether your corner is telling you to knee him in the stomach or go for the double leg. It's, it's, an, it's an amazing story, and for anybody that sits there and just shortchanges a guy because he's deaf, you motherfuckers need to watch more MMA because the guy is a beast, and it, it's a fight that, is it a $60 card? No. But do Nelson and Mir and Hamill and Rampage have the makings of, of legendary fights? Absolutely. I just, I just hate when people shortchange that, and I heard that all day today. Nelson and Mir, that, they, can, they can stand and trade. Both guys got knockout power, but it's probably going to be one of those guys taking it to the ground and going for the submission because that's their bread and butter. Frank Mir's stand-up, though, is really solid, but Roy Nelson does have one-punch power. I think, personally, if I had to look at that fight and, and call it right now, I would probably go with Roy Nelson only because that motherfucker knows how to take his fat wrap it around his fist, and put you to sleep with it. Because that, that's a guy that's learned how to take his, his girth and make it a weapon. Because when he takes the fights to the ground, he uses that big-ass belly, that giant hangover that he has, to smother people on the ground. At which point, you know, you're, you're losing oxygen, you're getting tired, and he, and he secures chokes easily. That was what he used against Kimbo Slice. On the stand-up side of things, he, he's got fucking dynamite in his fist, too, so he can go, that fight can go either way, but Roy Nelson definitely has the tools from a, from a size advantage on smothering Mir on the ground and also on one-punch KO power. Jumping back and forth again on a couple of other things, I actually wanted to go into the Strike Force Heavyweight Grand Prix because there was a fight that got put together that very excited to see. It's going to be uh, Daniel Cormier and he's going to be fighting Jeff the Snowman Monson. And that's going to be June 18th for the Overeem versus Verdum Strikeforce Heavyweight Grand Prix. Now, a couple of reasons why 
I actually want to see this fight, and I'm super excited for it. Daniel Cormier is, a, is an outstanding Olympic wrestler. This guy is an animal. He is a true fucking beast. And Jeff Monson, 14-year veteran, anybody that counts him out, he's multiple-time Abu Dhabi jiu-jitsu champion. It's just a clinic from, from all sides. We're, we're probably going to see a, a more of a ground war. Only, not to say that Jeff Monson doesn't have KO power, but when that shit goes to the ground, it's going to be magic. It's going to be on some Harry Potter-type magic, just shit flying around and, and shit getting countered and people going for submissions. It's going to be epic, and I'm super excited for it. And, of course, seeing my boy the Ream fighting Verdum is going to be sick as well. And, of course, Josh Barnett and um, what the fuck? Oh, shit. What the hell is this guy's name? Oh, I can't remember his name. Ah, shit, I fucked up. This is what happens when you're unprepared. It's supposed to be Josh Barnett and shit, shit. Ah, Brett Rogers. There we go. Brett Rogers and and Josh Barnett is going to be fantastic. Also, you got great catch wrestling from Brett Rogers. I mean, from Josh Barnett and Brett Rogers has really solid Muay Thai. I, I really don't think anybody who sits there and thinks that Josh Barnett is going to walk through Brett Rogers is going to be mistaken to to the utmost degree only because the the good thing about MMA is that it, it it's anybody's game on any given day especially with some of the fights we've been seeing as of late. I actually got into a debate with a guy who works in my building cuz he had asked me if I have seen the GSP and Jake Shields fight and the guy said to me he goes you know this is only like the third UFC event I've seen but I think that Jake Shields was a better is a better fighter than George St. Pierre. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. So I'm listening to this guy in the lunchroom, and he's telling me, he's like, yeah, I think he's good. You know, the guy had great jujitsu, and he kind of he put it to St. Pierre. He gave him that eye injury early in the fight. And I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? You're telling me that this guy is better than GSP because he, gave a, he poked him in his eye? That's the equivalent of saying that Mo from the Three Stooges is better than fucking Curly. That fight was complete horseshit from start to finish. It was GSP playing it safe. And on the other side of things, you had Jake Shields trying to stand with him and not trying to shoot for, in for the takedown. I mean, GSP did his homework, and he fought really safe. And the big, the big issue with that for me is that the shit is wearing thin. I'm, I'm a GSP fan. I enjoy watching him fight. But... The problem is, for me, that he, he's not finishing. He's not exciting to watch anymore. It, it was funny because Bloodstained Lane in one of his videos said that George St. Pierre can't even finish a glass of milk, which is funny, but in an odd way is, is very true, only because he, he, I think that Matt Sarah loss changed his whole outlook on, on these fights. He's fighting only because... He wants to retain the belt, and he wants to fight safe. And that's, that's going to catch up with him. That's definitely going to catch up with him because if he gets in there with a guy like Nick Diaz who, is, who engages and he chases you down, there's not going to be that going to a decision. It's going to be GSP going to sleep. So uh, just an interesting, um, an interesting debate with a guy who, you know, he's watched maybe three or four UFC events and – Again, I had to really explain him. I'm like, dude, the fight was really safe. You have to watch a couple of GSP fights so you can see that they were all safe. And 
his performance could definitely be better. Am I glad that his eye injury is healed up? Absolutely. But now what? Right now, um, Nick Diaz is under contract with Strike Force through Showtime. Nick Diaz has expressed interest in going into boxing, and the only way that he will not probably do boxing is if you offer him GSP. But you got to offer him GSP to unify the belts. That's how I see it. The only other way that I see that working is possibly if Nick Diaz goes into boxing and he doesn't fare well and then comes back. That, that's the only way. Otherwise, man, we're, we're just going to keep hearing all this bullshit for the next few weeks, well, the next couple of months about, you know, GSP has cleaned out his division and how he needs to go up and fight Anderson Silva. While I would love to see that fight, you need to see GSP and Nick Diaz, period. Needs to be done. Only because if you're Nick Diaz and you're considered one of the best pound-for-pound fighters and you got GSP walking around, it's the same thing I always say. You're only great until somebody says, hey, there's somebody just as great as you. And at that point, you say to yourself, I need to find this person and either kill them and take their soul or, um, you know, see who the better man is. De Silva told me that at UFC 140, it's rumored that Nick Diaz is going to fight GSP in Montreal. It's a rumor. Take it with a grain of salt. But you know what? Once again, doing it in Montreal is doing it in Canada is, is huge bank for the UFC. And if it happens, that will be a must-order fight because there, there will be no decision. No decision in that fight at all. And it's funny because a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, you know, GSP, he's a fucking legend. He, you know, he should just go up and take out Anderson Silva. GSP is not beating Anderson Silva. I'm sorry. Not happening. I, I think that he can, he can take it to him, but I don't think he's going to be able to beat Anderson Silva, only because Anderson Silva, his striking is so crisp, and he engages so much on the stand-up that I don't see it going that route. Last but not least, I'll go into the eighth episode of The Ultimate Fighter, and I'll just go into the last two fights. You had uh, Ramsey, Ramsey Najem and Clay Harvison. Ramsey Najem, fucking awesome submission victory in the first round with a rear naked choke. And the other fight we had was Shamar Bailey and Chris Cope. Chris Cope ended up taking the fight by unanimous decision. Um, again, this season, I just, especially after hearing that, that Brock isn't going to be fighting because of the whole diverticulitis shit, it's um, It concerns me just because at this point, the interest in the season is gone because there's no payoff. As of right now, Tony Ferguson and Chris Cope from, Chris, uh, from Team Lesnar are in there, and Ryan Mc... I always mess these guys up. Ryan McGee, I'll leave it at that. Ramsey Najem and Zach Davis are involved. Now, with two episodes left, of course, they're going to try and just go nuts and... Um, you know, Tony Ferguson spazzes out in the promo, and Chuck O'Neill is going to fight Zach Davis again, and then uh, Ryan McGee is going to take on Tony Ferguson, and then the semifinal announcements are going to take place. I was just informed that uh, Hip Hop Gamer is in the house. I'm going to bring him on, and we are going to discuss a couple of things. Hip Hop Gamer, what's the deal? Yo, yo, what's going on, man? What's poppin', man? How you guys feeling tonight? We're good, man. I managed to get the computer up and running well enough that I can get you on tonight because, you know, I've been trying to, we've been trying to get 
together for a while. So I, I said I can't I can't let this shit fall through through the cracks. <laughs> now, no doubt, I appreciate that, man. I, well, I know you're a busy person, you know, saying just like myself. So I mean, like, I, whatever you need, whenever whatever you need it, you know, I, I'll try to, my best to be there. And I, and I appreciate you having me on, man. This is amazing, real talk. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, first off, just uh, we'll start with this. Just let the the listening audience know a little bit about yourself and about the Hip Hop Gamer Show. Uh, okay, cool, no problem. Well, um, as for me, uh, I've been a gamer since I was four. Uh, rest in peace to my grandmother. We called her Hip Hop Granny. Um, she passed away last year, but she was the one that you know got me into gaming since I was a kid. So uh, I've been gaming since I was four. I've been rapping since I was fourteen. So um, how hip hop gamer you know came came to be was uh, just a real brief story. I was watching Judge Mathis, and he said, "Find something that you love to do, and you know get paid for it. You know find out what the passion is." And hip hop and gaming always been it. So at that moment, I decided to do you know become hip hop gamer. And even though I had my doubts about making it in the industry, because to be honest, you know I'm black. The industry is predominantly white, like. So, obviously, I felt that I probably wouldn't fit in with the way I was. But, you know, at the end of the day, I said, fuck it. I, I love this. I got passion for it. The only way it's going to work is for me to be me. And, um, you know, coming from Brooklyn, East New York area, that's where I'm from, I managed to make a name for myself using my passion. And now I'm on my take radio right now, <laughs> chilling with y'all, having a good time. So, you know, that's how it all came together. And I have a successful website, com. And um, have tons of traffic, and you know, getting bigger and better, and I'm doing bigger things. Well, here's here's the thing about th- that that's funny about that. You 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 brought up a great point. You know, coming into this industry and you know trying to stake your claim as a minority. And what I the first thing I want to ask you with that is when you started getting full bore into the industry. I, you know, what kind of hardships did you experience along the way? Like, what was one of those moments that came up? that you knew was complete bullshit, but you went with it because you were hungry to make a name for yourself? Oh, uh, wow, that's a good question. Um, well, I was at the Comic-Con, right? Uh, I believe this was uh, two, 2009. I was at the Comic-Con. And um, we're in, uh, we all in a room, and um, it's me, Game Trailers, my man Dan Kaiser. There's a whole ton of journalists in there. And everybody got their laptop out, and um, they were looking up news. So I get a phone call from one of my friends, and they were saying, yo, did you see the bullshit that's on N4G.com? I was like, what are you talking about? It says, hip-hop gamer is ruining journalism. And in my mind, I was like, you know, I show love to everybody. I never did anything to nobody. All I did was do me and, you know, work hard. And um, to see someone come out that don't even know me from a hole in the wall just do that, it was like almost an attempt to try to, like, you know, stop the growth of what I was trying to do, you know. So when I saw that shit, I said, oh, word, you want to get it in like that? All right, let's get it. So I went, I took the camera, my camera, and I took somebody else's computer, somebody's laptop, and I went to see it myself. Then I brought Daniel Kaiser over here. I said, yo, Daniel, live on camera. I was like, yo. Do you think I'm ruining game journalism? He said, hell no, shit. I wish I could do some of the things you do. You, you're incredible. And um, then we just had a nice discussion. But for some for somebody to say something like that to me from a decent website, when I mean decent in terms of notoriety, not in terms of content, but from a decent website. And I wouldn't name the website, but honestly, I don't want to no, say the wrong name. The, no, you know what I mean? I don't want to say the wrong name. 
But um, but in, but anyway, for a site to say that, and then I go get a big site like Game Trailers, and one of the major representatives of that site that I'm cool with to validate me in terms of giving me credit, giving me props, that right there was like one of those moments of, you know, positivity overriding the negativity. And the moment that happened, it gave me that much more of a boost to just continue to kick ass against anybody that doubted me. So, yeah, it was that was an amazing moment and an interesting moment because I never did nothing to nobody, but yet I was getting, you know, slandered. So that made me realize that there's a lot of people out there that just don't want to see you make it, and you got to prove oh, yeah. those dudes wrong and prove yourself right. Oh, and yeah, there's, another, there's a lot of crabs in there that want to pull you back in the bucket when you're trying to get out. Hell, yeah. But you know what I mean? The, so... the funny thing about that, and, and, I, and it's funny that you brought up that article, and I said to myself, in, in, in re, and I read that article. I remember it because it, it popped up in a couple of other sites, and, you know, it just makes its way around, and I – and that was when I first started really learning about you. And I said to myself, this guy has a different approach. The only way you're going to make it in life or in, any, or in any entertainment atmosphere is by creating a brand for yourself. And you took the message of hip-hop to create your brand. There's no harm in that. Sure, a lot of people are going to look at it and be like, oh, you know, he's just using hip-hop as a stepping stone. Because, you know, I, I've seen some of the comments. I've seen some of the stuff on message boards. And I personally have to applaud you for the fact that you took yourself and what you believe in and created a brand, which is the right way to do it. Now, it's not going to be for everybody. I mean, I do this show, I cover four topics, and it's not for everybody. But again, you have that freedom of choice. But if you can't say nothing nice, don't say shit, you know? Exactly, man. Because, like, a lot of times, you know, a lot of people feel like, you know, they're bigger than you or you don't belong. So they try to take advantage of you thinking that you're weak. So my thing is um, it's, it's kind of like what 50 Cent said about Britney Spears. Uh, Britney Spears, right, when she was going through her crazy stuff, cutting her hair and everything, the reason why she went through those things is because she actually cared what people thought about her. So yep. if you listen in to millions of people, I mean, this girl sold 50 million records. So when you got that large of an audience, Turn turn against you, it's like, damn, everywhere you go, there's negativity. You can't break it. But someone like a 50, who I relate to very well, is like, you would say whatever you want about me because at the end of the day, if you was me, you would have did the same shit if you was in my shoes. So what does that mean? You just hate it. And you're going to continue to hate, and I'm going to continue to do my thing, and you're going to continue being behind the keyboard while I continue to make moves, and you're going to be behind your keyboard talking about the moves I make. <laughs> so at the end of the day, I'm winning. <laughs> that, that, well, you know what it is? That's that's the, the best way to look at it. And the funny thing about it is that you've been involved now and you've gotten in deep with Sony and you've been involved with Sony a lot. And, you know, it, it's, I, I, I respect that because you work closely with the company. But being being a representative on the brand and also being on PlayStation Home, do you feel that sometimes and, and – you know, again, you can answer this or or you could decline it. Do you sometimes feel that you're grouped in that fanboy category because you have such a close relationship with Sony? Do I feel grouped in the fanboy um Fanboy, uh, like, do I feel like I'm a fanboy because I'm with Sony and PlayStation Home? Well, yeah, because, you know, you have so, you're so passionate about, about Sony products. Like, you know, I see that. And, you know, do you feel that a lot of people view you like that, or do you just think that they just don't understand the full story? 
Okay, I'm going to break it down so easily. First off, no, not a fanboy. I love games. I love games, period. And here's the deal. The reason why people feel I'm a Sony fanboy is because I talk about Sony so much. But the only reason why I talk about Sony so much is because they have so much to talk about. Common sense. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So you got to think about it like this. When Microsoft was first coming out, 2005, 2006, hip-hop gamer didn't exist. You see what I'm saying? So... You know, at their biggest time, in terms of that point, I didn't even exist. So when I did exist, you know, in terms of being relevant, it was at a time where Sony, everybody was dogging Sony. They were saying all these things. And in my mind, I'm like, so Sony people was dogging Sony, yet they don't got the system because the shit was so expensive. And shit like that. So how you on dog turn, you don't even got the experience. That was unfair to me. But then I saw people trying to slander Xbox with the red ring. I was like, yo. I had revering problems, but at least Microsoft did something about it. What they did was make a new console that don't break as much, you know what I'm saying? And then on top of that, when your console did break, they gave you another one for free. So my thing is, like, you know, I support everybody. And you know what's so funny to this day, and I'm so glad you brought this up, I'm the only person, well, I don't want to say the only person, but I'm the main person that people labeled as the Sony fanboy that made a YouTube video saying that Microsoft was going to win the console war. So that right there is the most, like, really shit I could say because it's just like Call of Duty and Battlefield. Battlefield 3 is probably going to be the better game, but we all know who's going to sell more. Like, you know exactly. what I'm saying? So, yeah, name sells. My, huh? The name sells, you know. When you say Call of Duty, everybody jumps on it. it exactly. So it's the same thing. So in terms of me being with PlayStation Home, like, the things that I had to say, like, in terms of good things and bad things about Sony, it's what led me in the PlayStation home. Everything that I've built in terms of positive and negative, in terms of the things I had to say about companies, whether it's Sony, whether it's EA, whether it's Microsoft, I mean, I've battled Microsoft live in front, in front of people. I've battled Sony because there are some things that Sony said to me that I felt was like, okay, don't use PR talk against me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because that don't work here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And then we really get into it. So I don't let Sony get off the hook. I don't let Microsoft get off the hook. We all get it in. But at the end of the day, I'm a fanboy of games. Because I got my PS3 here, my Wii here, and my 360 here. But I do prefer the PS3 for various reasons. And there's nothing wrong with having a preference. You see what I'm saying? Yep. And that's where, that's where it's at. Now, just to end it off. Most of my articles that you've seen lately has been Sony, 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 Sony. But you want to know why? Microsoft has been very they quiet. Shit talk. <laughs> they got shit Hello? to talk about. They got stuff to oh. talk about. Yeah, exactly. So my thing is, if Sony is announcing this, showing these exclusives, doing all of this other stuff, they got more stuff to talk about. So if I'm talking about Sony more than I'm talking about Microsoft, don't blame me. Blame Microsoft. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to give the journalists something to work with. You feel me? So that's my thing right there. And also, what's so funny, I was the one who was telling everybody about the Halo 1 HD remake back in 2009. And that's right. Was like, I remember that. Episode. Yeah. So, so my mom, I'm like, how are you going to say I'm Sony fanboy this, Sony fanboy that, when I'm giving you exclusive news on other games from other systems? Shit. I'm inside Conduit 2 on the Wii. If you buy that game, you'll see my face in the build on one of those billboards in the game. You can shoot my face up. I want it for fifty thousand dollars in the game. Jesus. So, so at the end of the day, 
you know, I'm inside a Wii game. I've made, I, I did the Halo Reach Bean song and performed it in Puerto Rico in front of 10,000 people supporting Microsoft. And I, I love Sony. That's my preference, and I show support to them too. So if you're a fanboy, a true fanboy, that means that you fuck with one system and that system only, and you just hate everything else. That doesn't run in my blood. So I hope I just answered all questions and <laughs> shut everything down with that. Like, you know well, what I mean? With regards to Sony, and, 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 you know, just to touch on that, and somebody in the chat mentioned it, and, and I had the same question, what makes you prefer Sony more? Like, what jumps out at you as, like, damn, this system? I mean, don't get me wrong, the PS3 is is a hardware beast, but Sony in general, what makes you gravitate towards them more? Okay, I'll name a few things. Just a few, because there's too much I could name. So I'll name a few. One, <laughs> okay, one, exclusive. You know what I'm saying? Exclusives gives your system their identity. Sony has more exclusives and more variety of those exclusives, and from a technical standpoint in terms of graphics and gameplay, they exceeded the competition in terms of exclusives. So that's one reason. If you don't believe me, I can name games. Shit like Heavy Rain, shit like Modern Nation Races, shit like Infamous, shit like Uncharted, shit like God of War. That's five right there. Grand Prix that's six. Resistance, that's seven. I can go on, but I'll stop right there. You know what I'm saying? That's one. Two, I prefer their controller more. Although the 360 controller is better for shooters, the PlayStation 3 controller is good with shooters. It's fun with shooters, but when you play fighting games and just action adventure games, the PlayStation controller is much better feel to me. And that's and that also represents the identity of your console. That's two. Three, I love the multimedia functions. I love the fact of having Blu-ray, especially now with my 240 hertz TV. Oh my <laughs> God. What? You crazy? PlayStation 3 with Blu-ray in my TV? You gotta come to my house one day, son. That's what I'm gonna tell you. Yeah, you gotta come to my house. Yeah, you you're more than invited. I got chicken, everything. You just come through. And stuff like that. That's so that's um that's three things right there. Um the other thing that I really love is the fact that they got is PlayStation Move because it gives me like I don't I don't need the Wii to have that type of experience and the fact that the technology is better than the Wii and you have a camera with all of that, it's it's a lot more it's like you get everything in one. In terms of console, you get everything in one. You get the Wii type of feel. You get the next generation HD graphics kind of feel. And there are certain things that the PlayStation 3 has that the 360 don't got. Now, I know it's cheap to play online on the 360, but it's a good feeling to be able to come home and don't have to worry about paying to play online in terms of multiplayer. I love the free online. I think that's great. And now that they got the PlayStation Plus, I get a lot of free shit that, that I mean, the first month I had PS Plus, I, the money that I spent, I got all that money back and free stuff and more my first month. So what that means for the rest of the year, I'm getting nothing but extra shit for free. That's an incredible deal, and I love that. So those are just a few things in terms of exclusives, uh, the Blu-ray, the controller, and the inclusion of PlayStation Move. That's just four things or other things I can mention. But I just want you guys to know that I got significant facts and significant reasons why I feel that way. And every reason that I have is an exclusive reason. You see what I'm saying? And that's where, yeah, and I think that's the best way to represent your console. Well, you know, one thing, one thing, and, you know, I own, I own, I owned all three consoles. I got rid of the Wii because it was collecting dust. I'll be a hundred percent on that. <laughs> it really, it really was dude. And I was just, you know, it got to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm not really playing. It's like I used to, but one thing I've always said, 
with Sony is that they give you a lot of hardware, but it's like a real it's like a real pretty girl in a tight suit, and then when she takes off that tight suit, all the rolls come out. That's how I look at the PS3 sometimes, and the only reason is because really? yeah, and I'll tell you why, and, and and you know you'll see my reasoning. They come out with a with a with a shit ton of hardware that's fantastic. But, yo, they really have a lot of dry spots sometimes with releases. Like, now they've stepped their game up. But you know that when the PS3 first dropped, it was dry as hell. <laughs> yeah, well, well, this is the way I look at it like that. And this ain't to make an excuse for them and stuff like that. See, when PlayStation 3 came out and stuff like that, you got to think about it like this in terms of timing. There were so many other companies involved money-wise, investment-wise, with the success of Blu-ray. So Sony had to make a move with the other companies' investment. That's one. Two, the fact that Microsoft was coming out early, Sony had to rush some things that they initially didn't want to rush. Now, I wouldn't have did that, but the fact that they did, that was their fault. They shouldn't have rushed. So they, that kind of kicked them in the ass early on. That's two. Three, the games that they did have, it's not that they were so bad. It's just the fact that 360 already had a year head start. So when PlayStation 3 came out and it was supposed to be this big, big leap over 360, it didn't do that because when Sony came out and, I mean, resistance on day one, to me, sealed the deal for PlayStation in terms of the future of it. Because to have a game run that smooth, look that good, and to have 40-player online day one, that right there says something to me. Because if you look at Xbox 360 on day one, like, they had Call of Duty, which was their big title, but that was just a high-definition version of a PS2 game. That's Sony, true. like PlayStation 3, when they came out, they had a brand-new IP built from the ground up, something that nobody never heard before, and they managed to pull some shit like that off. Now, even though that had to go up against Gears of War, and Gears of War was looking phenomenal, if you think about the way they both started, and if you look at the way they are now, I mean, Sony definitely not only caught up, but proved that their design was built for longevity and 360 was, was, was developed more for the short term. Because if you really think about it, what, have, what has 360 really had to carry them longevity in terms of competition besides having a price point advantage? You can't say exclusive because... Even though they had good ones, they didn't have nowhere near enough or new type of ones being introduced like how the Sony was, like how Sony had. In terms of online, the online is better, but Sony picked up the pace on a lot of their games from the online standpoint, and it's free. So over time, PS3 really started to show what they wanted to show initially, but it was their fault that they rushed it. So I feel you on that. But your statement that you made, I could... I can feel you on that in the beginning, but now I can't feel that because that's just, it's just not possible for me to relate to you on that level in terms of what's going on right now with the, with the Sony, with Sony PS3. Their catalog, well, no. the things that they're doing, the price point, what you get, I think, well, I no, think no. right now they're at their prime, in their prime. No, no, the, the thing was, the, the thing that I was saying was that, I was just using Sony as a company. PS3 has definitely stepped their game up. They're very competitive right now. I should know because now it's not like it used to be where I bought more games on the 360 and, and a couple of, of single-player games on the PS3. Now I kind of have to think it over 
with regards to exclusive and incentives. My only thing is that Sony as a company tends to put all this great technology and then they tend to sometimes drop off with it. And the PS3... Oh, as a, oh okay, okay. I see what you're saying. As an overall business, as an overall company. Oh, yeah, they did it at the jump. But, yeah, you know, PS3 caught up. It's the same thing with the, you know, with the PSP. It's like the PSP regular was perfect. But then they came and they used all this great technology to make the PSP go, charged more for it, and it just ended up being a paperweight. You know what I'm saying? So the technology didn't mean shit because they didn't have any games. Yeah, like, you know what it is? PSP Go, to me personally, I know why they did it, but they didn't have to do it. Because everybody knew digital, like, you know, digital downloads and everything. Everybody knew that that's where shit was going. But PSP Go was like their official way to test the market with their brand of handheld gaming in terms of digital with no disc and stuff like that. To me, truthfully, I think it was a investment that they didn't need to make because, one, the screen was smaller. You had, like, a different memory, external memory card you had to use. And, I mean, it was a good idea executed poorly. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. And, yeah. and I feel you on that. Well, here's here's one thing I got to ask you. I know, you know, especially you being involved with Sony, you know, you've seen the NGP. There's a ton of potential there. But you know that you got the DS, and now you have pretty much Apple crawling into the mix right now. In order, in order for the NGP to be successful in your eyes and become a number one portable handheld, what do you think Sony needs to do? Um, to be a number one portable, now, n- number one is very interesting. The reason why is because you could judge number one on sales or you could judge number one on true quality. Now, to me, if you want to judge number one on sales, I'm going to have to give it to, n- n- like, Nintendo simply because – they're they're cheaper, you know what I'm saying? And if you, I can't just look at only the BDS because the DS is still out there, you know what I'm saying? So I mean, it's kind of unfair to look like that. But if you want to look at 3DS by itself, forget the DS sales, whatever. Just 3DS by itself, in comparison to NGP and what they would have to do. I'm telling you right now, to be honest, the presentation that they showed already, they already killed the BDS in my opinion, and I'm going to tell you why. First of all, the 3DS is nothing but the DS. You have the big-ass dumb pad, smaller screen, and 3D without glasses. The, now, the gift and the curse about the 3D is that it doesn't work for every game. It doesn't. Like, so you just spent a lot of time creating something that's not going to work with every single game. And then, on top of that, every developer isn't making a 3D DS game. So you still have DS games on your 3DS, and 3DS ain't going to even be used. You see what I'm saying? So yep. that right there, you know, it's a it's a good feature, a good marketing tool, because 3D is cool, but it's not even as it's not even 100% effective. It's because everybody's not going to use it. Like, that's, that's just one. Now, on the PlayStation side, you have – now, think about this. The NGP, you got touch-sensitive pads on the back of it, which is going to add new ways of gameplay. You got a touch screen now, so that's going to add new levels of gameplay. You have 3D, so now online on your handheld is really something you can actually enjoy and get into simply because you got the 3G service now. Then on top of that, you got graphics that's rivaling PlayStation 3 in the palm of your hand on an OLED screen. 
depth and the screen is bigger than the first PSP that was ever released. So that's another thing that's huge. Then on top of that, with the Android, it's, it's Android compatible. So there's going to be so many apps and so many things that the Android could do that the, PS, that the NGP will do because of the Android connection to it. So every time you see an Android commercial or Android this, Android that, you might as well put NGP in that same bracket. That's only another killer. Then on top of that, let's say you're going away. You know how we go to E3, we go to all these places. There's a video out. So let's go to your hotel room with your NGP and being able to play PS3 quality games on your TV just by carrying a handheld. That's going to be insane. That's when it's really going to sink in. People are going to lose their mind. It turns of something to really, truly carry a – that's going to be like the true definition of carrying a console with you, like for real, for real. Then on top of that, the games, Uncharted, it's not going to be, you know, like the same exact Uncharted game on the console. When you see these games, they're going to be branch off. So it's going to make you want to play them, just like how God of War Chains of Olympus and Ghost of Sparta was to the PSP. And those so great because it's not like how Fight Night was where, or Madden. Like, nobody, a lot of you may not buy Madden on the NGP because you got it at home already. So you're not yep. going to buy two of the same game. But if you, you know, be smart about their marketing in terms of having, you know, like those games like Uncharted, like I mentioned, or certain games you might would buy. Like, uh, if they have what will come from NGP, a lot of people probably buy that because it's a fighting game. It's a quick, accessible game. You just get in, get a couple of matches real quick while you want to train or whatever. People would spend money for that. But that's, these are the things that's going on. But the scary part is that all that right there is announced now. And the system ain't done. It is more features to come and more upgrades to come. So with everything they got now, it already kills the 3DS. Imagine what they're going to have a year from now and so on and so forth. That's what you got to look forward to. You see what I'm saying? Well, now, when it comes to Apple, the thing that Apple has, like Apple from a gaming standpoint, will never be able to compete with the MGP simply because, well, I can't say that yet just because I'll let you guys in on something. Um, I'm starting to build up a lot of contacts in other areas since I was getting more popular, thank God. So there's a chance, there's a, there's a rumor right now. I don't think nobody knows about this. I didn't even put the article out yet. But Apple or a third-party company is supposed to be making a controller, a, a special controller for your iPad, strictly for gaming. Now, if they do that and you don't got to, you know, swipe on the screen, because I know for NBA Jam, Dead Space, all those games look amazing on iPads. But they're not fun to play. So right now, nope. it's you nope. know, cool agree. features here and there, but it's not fun to play. And if you and if it ain't fun to play, you ain't gonna be successful. The reason why iPad is successful is not because of gaming. You know what I'm saying? It's because of all the other functions that it do. Gaming right. is an add-on to it. It's an add-on bonus to it. When it comes to the EGP, the NGP, gaming is the first and foremost thing because it's a gaming platform. All the other shit is secondary bonuses. You feel me? Well, you know, that's why NGP will destroy that. Well, you know, here's the here's the thing, that, just to, not to cut you off, but not one of the uh, you know me, I'm always talking running my mouth anyway. So there, nah, it's, it's all it's all good. The um the NGP one thing, you know, I, I I admire and I like the hardware and I I I respect the fact that they're doing these great titles and they look beautiful. Two analog sticks, by the way. <laughs> so I had to throw that in there. There you go. 
the but my concern my concern with the NGP is is again just a real pretty a real pretty chick with rotten guts. You know what I mean? Like I just hope that they come out of the gate with this stuff and they don't go and drop the console out and then just give you the console uncharted and Madden. You know what I mean? Like I hope they come out strong because that's one thing with the 3DS that everybody that everybody voiced their displeasure on the air, like, you know, Slick and, and a lot of people, that they bought the 3DS and the games were bullshit. You know, it's like, what am I going to do, buy Street Fighter Four again for the fifth time? You had no first-party titles that made you want to drop $250. Like, the NGP looks beautiful. It's fantastic. But if you're only going to give people Uncharted and Madden, and, you know, I, I, my big concern yeah, is... Oh, yeah, I got you. Yeah, I want a strong launch. That's that's yeah, the big group. No, the um, what I, what I was saying with that is, you know, you need a strong launch lineup because I, the way I've always grouped it is, you have Nintendo at number one, you know, from a sales standpoint and from a casual gaming standpoint, Apple is gaining a lot of room. And oh, like, yeah. you know, and and the worst part is that Sony, that's a, that prides itself on being a gaming company, is on the verge of getting its throat slit by Apple if they don't step their game up. Well, um, I wouldn't go as far as saying, like, getting their throat slit, but I, I, I look at it like this. See, what people don't understand is that Apple is not after, like, the, the gaming market first. They're after it, but that's not their first priority. You see what I'm saying? Yep. Um, the, Apple's first priority, I believe, is Microsoft. You know what I'm saying? They always was in direct competition, and what gave Apple a leg up over Microsoft was when iTunes became big. And then right. when iTunes became big, and then, and then playing music. Because you understand, if you look at Apple, right, like you've got the Macs so you could do all this video work and all this major work, and you don't get viruses and shit like that, versus PC, which Microsoft owned the PC market. They own it. So everything that Apple did, was to try to take a shot at Microsoft. You know what I'm saying? The reason why Apple got into gaming so much is because when they created a platform, like once they saw how big gaming was, they just tried to make it as easy, as simple as possible, not just for consumers, but for creators, to make certain quick, small, stuff for 99 cents, get rich, and, you know, continue on. So one of the reasons why Apple was getting so big is because of the ease of use from a developer standpoint. And that developer standpoint allows for us, the consumers, to really enjoy ourselves briefly on the go. But when you're competing against companies where gaming is their bread and butter and not their add-on secondary accessory, you're never going to beat them at what they are crafted like or, or is what they craft is. What you're going to be able to do is be able to get involved in it and get a piece of the market but in terms of throat slit, I think that's a bit harsh. That's like saying, like, even with Xbox One, they came in the game. But Nintendo still here. You know what I'm saying? The reason why Dreamcast got destroyed is because Dreamcast didn't financially couldn't compete with the shit that Sony was doing. You see what I'm saying? But they got destroyed from a harvest standpoint. But they're still around because they're making games. So at the end of the day, you know, their bread and butter is games. Apple's bread and butter is software. You know what I mean? And I, I feel that that is continue doing great software, they're not gonna have any problems at all. That that's my personal feeling. They're not gonna have any problems at all. But throat slit, 
I think is going to be, I think that's a bit stretching it, but they will get a significant amount of the market. And um, Sony or Nintendo can't stop Apple from doing that. I think that's the okay. fairest way I can say it. No, and and that's fine. I, the, the, my rationale for it, and I'll break it down to you why I see it that way, is because, you know, Sony Sony in the portable marketplace right now, from from a portable gaming standpoint, they've always been, you know, you got Nintendo at number one and Sony at number two, and it's basically uh, yeah. good. It's it's good. It's good. You know, quick games on Nintendo and graphically immersive games on the Sony side. Apple is kind of meeting everything in the middle. You're getting cheaper games and and quality products. And what they're doing is they're little, they're inching their way up, they're inching their way up. And like you were saying, what's happening is they haven't shifted their focus to portable gaming. But the funny thing is that if, that if Sony and, and even Nintendo keep going out there and putting out these systems with all this extra shit that Apple already got, they're going to take notice. And, you know, it's like anything else. It's like holding that, holding that red sheet in front of the bull. Eventually the bull is going to charge. And Apple, Apple might want to yeah. come in there. Apple might want to come in there and take it to them on the gaming space. And if Sony isn't smart, they're going to, you know, they can easily get knocked off. That's why I was looking at it from getting a throat slit. Because right now they're kind of coasting along because, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not hard being number two. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, like, they, definitely not. Well, see, the thing that trusts me about Sony is the fact that they was the only, sorry, that they was the only handheld to ever be successful against Nintendo. You see yeah. what I'm saying? And that, that I mean, to sell over fifty million of PSPs, you know, that's that's incredible. And to and the response that they got from just showing the MGP is has been like like monstrous, real talk. So my thing is with Apple, I, I would love to see Apple take a significant piece of the pie because competition is great and is needed. You know what I'm saying? The Hell yeah. what I think what I, what I think that. What I think is messed up is that the more Apple starts taking away from the handheld market, Microsoft is never going to have a place in it. Nope. And I think that's—I think that's the better analogy in terms of throat slit. I think Microsoft got their throat slit because I know for a fact that Microsoft want to get into the handheld market. I know that for a fact, <laughs> just from people that I spoke with. I know that for a fact. But the thing is the way they try to get into it initially didn't work because they have asked it. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. my thing is if you look at if you look at it now, you in the console world you have Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo. But in the handheld world you have Sony, Nintendo, Apple. At the end of the day, Sony and Nintendo is gonna rule when it comes to gaming platforms. Like they they're gonna rule because they got the best for both worlds and Apple and Microsoft don't. So Apple will easily slice up Microsoft now when it comes to, you know, the gaming on the handheld part. But on the console but but on the console area and even on the um handheld area, Sony and Nintendo are very much established and they ain't going nowhere and nobody can stop them. The only thing that can happen now is you join in, get involved and get your piece. That that's, and, and that's it. all you Apple that's all think. Apple can do. You got to definitely get the money. Apple, Apple is definitely looking to, to to make their piece of the pie, and you know I definitely would like to see Sony do well, only because they've been getting shit on on the portable market, you know, and they need they need a time they need a time to shine. Like Nintendo, this is the time when they can really do it because Nintendo's kind of dropped the ball, especially Yay. because 
you you are absolutely right. I'm sorry to cut you off, but you're absolutely right. Like, I'm not going to even lie. I thought 3DS was going to have a bigger impact than it did. Not to say that it didn't have one, but I was shocked. I'm like, yo, like, 3DS is not, like, hitting it hard like I expected it to. Like, to be honest, it's not taking a shot at Nintendo. It's just a, it's just like a reality check. You know what I'm saying? I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, they they weren't they didn't come out strong and and it's strange because Nintendo usually comes out pretty strong but I think what happens is and this is like anything else when you're so when you're so used to being number 1 you don't get challenged and when you don't get challenged you get lazy that's why what you were saying before is is 100% true like you need that competition to keep you hungry Yeah man definitely it gets bored if it's just you Yeah like, and that's like, what seriously, it, I really believe that it gets bored if it's just you Nintendo's like, yeah, we're just good. You know, we'll put this out. We'll show you one or two games. We'll give you Street Fighter to keep you happy. And then what they realized was that people are like, I'm not going to pay $250 to play some shit I've already played. Yeah, but see, my thing is, you know, that's when you kick your own stuff in the ass. Because, honestly, Nintendo, this long, they should know that. They should know yep, that. They should. They, know the market. They, they should know that. So I, I, I feel that in a situation like that, when you just literally – like, running out of ideas or you're just trying to make some quick money. I mean, real talk, the 3DS could have been so much better. Like, you know what I'm saying? In terms of just making a brand new machine with 3D. Don't just make the same machine add 3D to it and then resell it. Like, that's exactly what they did. They took the same exact machine and just put 3D in it and resold it. I mean, you serious? Nah, man, I, I, I just felt that was a waste. No, I I agree. I just think that they, in terms of uh, of advancement for their platform, they figured, you know, let's just put some window dressing on it and move more units. And what's happening is that people people woke up. You know, we we are in a in in still a bit of a recession, and people realized I'm not going to drop two hundred and fifty dollars to play one game. It's utterly worthless. For that, you know, you put in a couple dollars more and you buy a console and just play it at home. Boom. And then on top of that, you know. Like in terms of Nintendo, they got so many games that they do make that it's like if you look at how they stress the Wii out already, they they gonna have to come up with something completely different, like a whole new lineup, a whole new something, and exploit that 3D function. You know what I'm saying? And it's like real talk. Um, Street Fighter, even though you know that's a dope game and I love the diagonal beauty added to it and all this other stuff, it's like if that's going to be the best shot so fast, then, you know, after this year's E3, <laughs> they got to show something or else NGP is really going to, you know, knock it out the park this year. Because people are excited for the fact that they got a handheld that they can truly play Call of Duty on. Real talk. Like, the, the, I'm, you should, I mean, that's what so many people are talking about. So if I just came back from L.A., listen. I, I hear what the industry's saying. And the fact that you got two analog sticks, something that simple that people have been wanting for years, they got it now. So now everything that they played before, it's like they couldn't get that feel, console, at home feel. Now they can. So you know people just want to buy certain things just to see how it feels or test it out or whatever. And with the, and with the power of online and how smooth it is on the PlayStation Network as opposed to Nintendo 3DS, 
I mean, seriously, you know how I many demos are going to be downloaded to test this out, test this out, fill this out, and all they got to do is feel right. And once that happens, they're buying it. You don't think, out of, out of the millions of people that buy Call of Duty, you don't think that at least half or a quarter of those people would pick up the NTP version, especially knowing that there's probably going to be some intertwined shit where if you do this on the handheld, you get a bonus in the home version or, you know, certain exclusive shit. I'm telling you, you know they're going to milk it. And that's what the Nintendo BDS is not going to have. Tell you. Well, like you were you you referenced E three and um you you know your trip out to L A and you know the big thing the big thing at E three is the quote unquote we two and one of the reasons oh, I wanted yeah. to bring that up was because there was there was a bit of there was a bit of controversy on Twitter because you had dropped the we two news uh, initially and then Game Informer dropped in and you know they dropped the news and then of course th- there was the issue of who dropped it first. What, you know, before I ask you about that, I do, you know, when it comes to you covering the gaming industry, how does it feel sometimes when you're trying to get this coverage out there and it's almost like a race to be first? Would you, do you feel that it's always a race to be first or do you rather, you know, a quality post or, you know, a quality article over getting it out first? Okay. I prefer a quality article over putting it out for, I'm being honest with you, because quality always wins. But being first represents quality too, because it represents the way you handle the information that you got, and quick and accurate at the same time. That's just raising a bar in your skill set as a journalist. So I feel that both of them together, like, really means a lot and holds a lot of weight. You know what I'm saying? So my thing is, if you want to ask me which one is more important, quality is more important because quality is going to keep you with loyal followers. You know what I'm saying? But getting it out first is just enhancement of that same, you know, quality. So I think they all go hand in hand, to be honest with you. Now, I'm going to break it down like this. Like, in terms of, you know, doing your work and stuff, in my position, here's what a lot of people need to understand. You know, I don't have multi-million dollar companies backing me. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not mm-hmm. on the bonus round every week. You know, I, I don't got the consistent mainstream attention. Like right now, I'm like, I'm like 50 Cent when he was underground. Everybody knew who he was, but he wasn't blown up yet. But everybody right, knew but who they... he was. You see what I'm saying? So my thing is, at this point, I'm the as long as I'm consistent. Everybody's going to know who I am and appreciate what I do, and I'm only going to get bigger and better. But there's always next levels you got to take. So the We Too news was so big, and I released it two days after I found out about it. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, obviously I can't name drop, but I found out about it from a developer that's working on it now. You see what I'm saying? So, So, and the thing that made me so proud that this person gave me this information is because I never asked for it. They Aha, willingly gave nice. it. They, yeah, I never asked for it. They willingly gave it to me because of the quality I do in the industry and the quality interview that I do with their products and stuff like that. So to me, I got blessed with one of the biggest scoops in the industry simply because of my work ethic and the, my approach to the business. That is love and respect right there. You know what I'm saying? That person will always be my dude. You know what I mean? 
So well, I, I know people in the chat is like, oh, well, at least we know it's a guy. You know the funny thing? How, how did you handle that when the whole Game Informer situation came out and they almost they were kind of putting it out there that they had the news first? You know, did you did you were you angry at the fact that they didn't bother to acknowledge that you had the information first, or was it just something where that you felt your integrity being questioned as a journalist? Back to going what we were talking about earlier, where they were just like, "Yeah, here's the We Too news. We gave it to you first, and you're like, "No, you didn't." And I remember because I saw a tweet, and you're like, "No, you didn't." You know, I put this out first, x you know, x amount of days ago. How how did that you know how did that make you feel and how did you want to approach that situation when it happened? Well, when it happened, like it, it was weird because um, I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter, right? And a friend of mine, you know, he asked me on Twitter and says, "Hey, didn't you reveal the We Two News first? And um, he copied Jeff Keeley in in this uh, when he was talking to me. So in my mind, I'm like, why Jeff Keeley got anything to do with this question? That's the first thing that came to my mind. I'm like, why? I mean, I, I told my homeboy, yeah, I did break the news first. Now, to be honest, before I continue on, even after I wrote the news and put it out before Game Informer, someone hit me up with a um, link, and it was somebody, I think, in 2008 that made the prediction or something that uh, a new Wii was coming out in 2011. So I gave that dude props, too, because he made a good prediction. You know what I'm saying? But in terms of between me and Game Informer and putting it out, saying it exists, like just putting an official confirmation on it, that was me. So just to continue on, because like I said, it's not all about me getting credit or whatever, whatever. It's about what's fair. And if there's a situation where I think I deserve credit or somebody else deserves more than me, I'm going to give it to them because it's all about being fair. That's how you get respect. And you can't cut a check worth more than that. Real talk. No, that's right. So, so my thing is... Uh, so when I was um when I saw the Twitter when I saw the tweet, I was like, Okay, uh this is um this is interesting. Let me follow what Jeff Keeley's been saying today. So I went to Jeff Keeley's uh tw- tweet the uh, tweet page to see what he was saying. And he had uh gave a shout out to Andy McNamara, uh whatever I can't say his last name for some reason, Namama or whatever. But Eddie he's a game informer. <laughs> That's my dude. I was actually hanging out with them recently. You know what I'm saying? So they real good people. I have fun with the water time. But um, I hit him up, and uh, I was like, yo, uh, yo, Jeff, uh, when did, uh, you know, Andy um, get this news release? And Jeff said, hey, maybe you should ask Andy. I said, okay, cool, no problem. So I asked Andy. I was hitting him up. I was hitting him up hard. And then um, I was like, yo, Andy, when did you release this? So I didn't get a response initially. So then I went to the actual article, and then when I saw the article, it was April 15th when they put out their information. And then the following week, following week, Nintendo came out and confirmed that we two exist. It's coming out. Use so some of the details, whatever, blah, 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 blah. So then, you know, that's where everything came from. Like, you know, that's when Jeff Keeley gave them credit for breaking the news and gave the former, like, you know, they said to themselves that, hey, we broke the news first. So I was like, no, you didn't. Because my news was broken March 20th. This shit was April 15th. I was getting me a month ahead of you. Now, at that point, I was pissed. The reason why I was pissed is because it's another situation where I'm overlooked. So I'm doing mainstream quality on television type of work, but because I'm still underground, technically, 
it's easy to get overlooked when you do major shit. So that's why I'm so vocal on everything I do. That's why I put myself out there, everything that I say and everything that I do, and I back it up because, you know, nobody's going to fight for you and your name and your reputation and your work harder than you. So you got to go in every single time. Every, I, don't even, I don't care if it's a petty article or a big article or whatever. You got to fight for everything, everything. So at the end of the day, you can say you earned it. You know what I mean? So at that point, I was pissed because I got overlooked again on many situations. Because this ain't the first time. This is like the 20th millionth time that I said something. I was right in a major publication trying to, try to take credit for it. So my thing is, you know, if you didn't see that I did it first, that's fine. You know what I'm saying? You can't keep track of everything. That's understandable. You're only human. But when I bring it to your attention that I did do it, then I expect corrections to be made. In terms of that's right. That's what happened, and that's what bothered me, that didn't happen. Because when I, when I posted Andy initially, he said that, oh, well, I didn't know he was in some battle or something. I mean, we reported something, and to no confirmed it. That's all I did. I said, no, 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 no. In the world of journalism, everybody knows you get big when you make the big stories. You get big when you right. it's just like a well fucking TV news anchor person. You know what I'm saying? Everybody wants that news first, that exclusive first. And that's why people leak shit. That's why Kataka leaked the modern warfare shit. Everybody wants that cool shit first. That's what it's all about. So I agree. I, to, so to put it in simpler terms, I was like, yo, Andy, tell this out. Journalism 101. If you say you broke a story, and then another person confirms and proves that they broke that particular story first, is it right or wrong to change the credit? And who who deserves it and who gives to? I never got a response to this day. You know what I'm saying? So, so my thing. So my thing is, anybody. I don't give a fuck who it is. Anybody. I don't care if you're an M4G hater in the comment section. I don't care if you're a professional journalist or call yourself one. I don't care who you are. But nobody in this industry, nobody ever. Better come at me talking about hip hop game that needs to be more professional. Hip hop game needs to be this real talk, not to sound so vulgar, you know what I'm saying? But they could suck my you know what. The reason <laughs> why is because if you want me to show standards and ethics and shit like that, and I do so, and in return you overlook me because of the outlet you represent, oh, now the rules are broken. And if you don't break the rules, I don't got a corporate mouthpiece. So I can go just as hard as anybody else in this industry. And I can get someone to bring it against me because I'm not going to lose. And the reason why I'm not going to lose is because I'm confident enough and smart enough and wise enough to pick my battles wisely. And mm-hmm. if I'm not going to fight a losing battle, but I'm always going to enter in a situation where I either have a chance to win or even if I lose, I learn something even in my loss. So that means I still won because I learned something to prepare me for my next battles. So either way, like I said, I don't lose. Well, you know, the, one of the one of the great reasons why I wanted to reference that we had a similar situation here with, um, really? yeah, with uh, what happened was uh, uh, a couple of episodes back we had Michael Jai White on, and uh, oh, really? when, oh yeah, my god, when, well, that's my dude, son. Yeah, when he was on, he dropped the information about the Mortal Kombat web series live on air. So, of oh, course... wow. I love my... Yo, you got to give me the <laughs> meet him, son. Sorry. I just... You got to, right? 
We um I bet, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, nah, it's all right. We put the we put the information out there. So a couple of days later, like three or four sites, you know, Dark Horizons, they're like, Oh yeah, you know, the director broke it first that they were doing a Mortal Kombat web series. So I had to actually go site by site and put it in the comment section like, yo, we had it first. Here's the link. Here's the episode. Listen for yourself at XYZ time. And then some of our some of our staffers, uh, my buddy Josh, he went to a couple of sites and he said the same thing, like, yo, Michael J. White was on the show X date. He broke it here first. And, and you know, I can, under, I can relate a hundred percent because nobody likes to acknowledge the people on the grind. It's very easy to say IGN broke it first because it rolls off the tongue easier versus saying, you know, hip hop gamer broke it first or my take radio broke it first because what comes after that is going to be, oh, who are those guys? You know what I mean? And they don't want that. Nobody wants to hear that question. They don't want to hear who you are. They want to know where the, you know, the information is legit. They don't want to, they don't want to know who you are. They just want to know it's legit. So when they say, oh, well, IGN said and Game Informer said, it's like a household name. It's like saying, you know, I wipe my ass with Charmin. It's the same shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, like, it's, it's toilet paper, but, you know, you just got to say it's Charmin. It's the same thing with the gaming news where, you know, when you say IGN and now M4G or GameSpot, all of a sudden it's gospel, and they don't understand that those of us, you know, and, and you and, and most of those other guys, because I, I honestly don't call myself a journalist, but you and – and, you know, the guys at Dual Shockers, all those guys on the grind going hard, you guys are the ones going out there and pounding the pavement. You guys aren't getting a press release handed to you that you're copying and pasting and putting on and saying, look, we got this first. Exactly. Exactly. See what I'm saying? So my thing is, see, I, I mean, I love competition. Competition is just like in video games. It's in journalism. It's everywhere. And, you know, I don't mind you know, getting better and learning from other people. You know, Torrance Davis is one of the guys I've really learned. He brought me in. You know what I'm saying? So I learned a lot from him. But my thing is, you know, don't just think you the shit because you represent a site that can talk shit. Feel me? Because I'm going to break it down like this. If I caught so many people out. Is there anybody in the chat right now? Yeah, there are one, two, three, four. I think there's nine people in there. Okay, the nine people that's, li- that's listening in, I'm going to ask a question, and you let me know if they answer this. Uh, do, does anyone here know IGN.com? I should get all yeses. Oh, uh, yeah. One, one guy responded, IGN is the first three letters of ignorant. <laughs> Y'all been, I've been seeing that shit on Twitter everywhere. <laughs> now, let me ask you guys a question. Do you guys know who Tal Blevins is? Let's see if they answer. They probably it'll probably take a second, but I don't, so you could clue me in. Okay. Um no, I wanna see if they are if they take a second then they Google it they probably. But my thing is do you I know I, yes or no, real quick. Do you know who Tal Blevins is? Yes or no? Uh so far I got no, no, no from me. Yeah, most people don't know who he is. Okay. Now the same question that I asked y'all is the same question that I asked so many people. And I was like, who's Tal Blevins? They, they don't know who he is. He's the vice president of games content for IGN. <laughs> now, my thing is, everybody knows IGN, but don't even know the people behind it. But when you yep. come to hiphopgamershow.com, the person is the entity. So there's a personal relationship with me and the community as well as me doing the work. So my thing is, you know, 
you got three letters that get more high and mighty and praise than the person that's actually doing all the work and put a face to the name and the and the responsibility. Now, I'm not saying that everybody got to follow those footsteps, but what I am saying is that I work at Def Jam, so people be trying to give me CDs all day, but I'm not a record producer. Why are you giving them to me? But because I represent Def Jam, I automatically get that big dick status. You see what I'm saying? That's right. Nope, I so see So my it. thing is you got a lot of people in the industry that feel like they nuts is 88 pounds because That's they right. work for that big website. But it's just like, it, 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 it's just like you know, the, it, it's like the gift and the curse. You get the gift, but the curse is not realizing the gift you had before you actually got the gift. And I know, I'm not, like, I'm going to say that again for everybody in the chat. It's like the gift and the curse. You get the gift, but the curse is not realizing that you already had the gift before that gift came. You see what I'm there saying? Putting the car before the horse. Yeah, yes, yes, you know what I'm saying? And my thing is the more people and the more fans realize the gift that they already got, then when they receive the gift, they will learn to appreciate it instead of allowing the curse to come in that door. That's right. Hard to well, go you know, my preaching rant, but no, no, you know, I'm very spiritual. <laughs> well, no, it's fine, and 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 it's funny that you say that because you know what it is in in doing the show for so long and you know covering events and doing all this stuff. You know, you pride yourself in trying to have original content. And you try, you don't want to have the same cookie cutter article that everybody else does. And while that does work for some people, you know, I gotta, I gotta take a moment. You know, your, your site, uh, the ladies at Girl Gamer, the ladies at Gaming Angel, us, um, guys from MMA Valor, from all the different sites that I, that I know that I've spoken to. You know, you gotta pride yourself on original content. You know, one of the things that bugs me with IGN and these bigger sites is that. Right behind every review and behind every article is fluff. Instead of just getting to the point, you don't have to write mm, a twenty-page. Mm. Ar- you don't have to write a twenty-page dissertation wondering if Yoshi the dinosaur from Mario is gay. And IGN has to get called <laughs> out on that because because they did do that. And I said to myself, you know, I, I can understand if it's a slow week, but if that's the kind of shit you're churning out, then you know, let give give the smaller guys some shine. You know what I mean? Don't try and crush all these other people that are on the grind, which leads me to the E3 situation, which you know so many sites were vocal about when they wanted to not allow smaller sites to participate if they didn't have the right amounts of traffic. Yeah. And the right you know, amount- I didn't like about – I'm sorry, I didn't cut you off. Go ahead, dog. No, what I was going to say is that the smaller sites are hungrier than the bigger sites because, like I said before, when you're number one or you're at the top of the food chain, you get fucking lazy. Yeah, man, and, and my and my thing is, it's like, you know, I, you know what? A lot of people get lazy when they get to the top. You know what I'm saying? Don't get me wrong. A lot of people get lazy. You know, but I can't say that for everybody just because certain people in their caliber of breed is designed differently. And I, I, I only speak for me. But me, my hunger comes from the will to be the best that I can be. You see what I'm saying? It's not so much about me being the best in the industry, but I believe being the best that I could be for me will reward me the best in the industry because I feel that once you take yourself to new heights and new levels and you know you're doing it and you know you're going to new places, 
Like, I mean, every year since I started, I set a goal for myself, and I achieved that goal and more. That right there means everything to me because you got a lot of people that can start something but don't finish. I've been able to finish and do more. And, like, I mean, finish strong. So for me, being the best that I can be for me will reward me those blessings that from the outside looking in, those people will see me at the top as well. So that's just the way I am. So one day I could be bigger than IGN, and I won't get lazy. That would just make me want to see what else is there to count and what else is there to conquer. Like, you know what I'm saying? What like, what else I got, back. like, you know? So that's just my drive. You know, no, but, I I will say, but I will say this. Sorry to cut you off. I will, I will say this. You know, I can't, you know, point fingers or blame anybody for certain things. What I what I can do is tell people that don't know and, and create new options for them to see. So you got people that's going to do whatever they want to do, but the more you work hard for yourself and get yourself in more eye and more of the public, so more eyes can see you, then people generally is going to turn to you. People generally going to be like, "Oh wait, hold this shit is hot. Let me check this out." And the moment that starts happening, then there's going to be problems for the bigger sites. And they already know that this is happening. That's yeah. why they try to shut shit down. What I didn't like about the E3 shit is how they didn't tell nobody that they that they were going on compete using this traffic system, this and that. I don't even use compete. And you got to pay for compete to utilize some of that shit. Like, come on, man, seriously? Like, That's I right. mean, it's... I didn't like that at all. That was real suckish. Yeah, well, that's one of the things. Like, like, like I know I wasn't covering E3 because, you know, I have a job and much like you. So I know that for me it would be impossible to do it. And it is a goal to get there. But I didn't like that there was a battle for over three days on Twitter of just various sites and representatives of each site uh, extolling the virtues about, well, you know, it should be exclusive to the bigger sites. You know what? I, like I always say, nah, that's, you don't count out the little guy. The little guy is the guy that <laughs> worked harder. You know what I mean? Those are the guys that are going in there. Don't get me wrong. You got a lot of you got a couple of, of indie guys that are going in there to get free shit. But you got people that are put, investing hard earth, hard time and money to make a name for themselves. You got a full time job plus you're trying to make a get name for yourself in the gaming industry all at the same time, and you don't have a single giant site behind you. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that that's real talk right there. You know, that's the real that's the talk. worst. Absolutely, that's the that's the worst shit. And, and you know, it it that's why I had wanted to ask you about it because you know I know that you're out there and and you're getting this exposure, but nonetheless, you're not at a you know you're getting shit because you're not at that level of an IGN or an M4G. But you know what? You're bringing out quality stuff, and people like talking to you. What's the use of me giving you a game if you're going to write a three-page article and rate the shit a six? Why can't you just make one page and say, look, the game isn't that great? You know what I mean? Like, there's no <laughs> shit. That, that's what frustrates me. It's like, why can't you just say the game is good, the game is bad, and keep it moving? Why do you have to write this, and then you contradict yourself three paragraphs down, and, you know, there's a couple of sites, I'm not going to call them out, they do that shit. They're like, oh, yeah, the gameplay is fantastic, but, you know, the art direction and the styling, no one Yeah, gives- like, like, you're not even a game developer. You talk about the color palette. Like, like the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> like, seriously? 
Come on, man. Like, well, I don't know. No, I, I, it's it's funny too because now that you're you know you've been out there for so long, and again, uh, this is probably one of the reasons why they throw you know they try and shovel they shovel they try and shovel the dirt on you. You know, you're involved in 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 great detail with Sony. Like I remember you got into a beef on Twitter, and 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 I actually want to bring this up. And you had shortly announced before that beef that you were going to be having the show Hip Hop Gamer Show on PlayStation Home. And you got into an issue with somebody on Twitter, and the next five comments were, well, you know, if you're a representative of Sony, you shouldn't really be saying shit like that. If you were if you were at that level, dude, I'm sure that people would be doing the talking for you. But like you said, you're, you don't have a corporate mouthpiece. I don't. And, and, and see, here's, see, here's the thing. I know exactly what you're talking about. See, in that situation, like, this is how I went down. Um... There's a dude from PlayStationLifestyle.net. Now, PlayStation Lifestyle, I love that site. You know what I'm saying? And my man, um, um, why I can't think of his damn name right now? Oh, Seth. My man Seth. He's that, that dude is amazing. You know what I'm saying? You meet him the first time and just get to know him. Seth is an amazing dude. He works hard, man, and he works hard for his team. I love and respect that dude. But one of his boys came out and said, oh, hip-hop game was at home. That's the worst Sony move, worst Sony thing they ever did. Why would they have him in there? Or I can never go to home again because he's in there. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, you really going to be a bitch like that? Like, seriously? Shit like that, I will, I will put somebody in the face over. And I shouldn't say that, and I shouldn't be that way. But just because, like, the ignorance level was so high that I would have to punch you in your mouth so you can bring the ignorance level down. Because talking to you won't work. That's why I said that. Because you work for PlayStation Lifestyle. Your boss is my homeboy. We in this shit together. That's and you right. you going to go against I, me in front of everybody, seriously? Yep, and I don't I even remember. know you? And I even do that to you? For real? Come on, man. That's just, that's, well, it's just, that's just a pussy move. Oh, yeah. It's I wish I remember your name. Well, well, you know, it's funny because when I saw that, I said to myself that, you know, it's it's very easy to blow the whistle on somebody. Like, you had just announced that you were on home, and then the Twitter gets filled up with people that I follow as well. Oh, you know, we shouldn't have really said that, and blah. And it's just like, you do understand that we don't have people to answer to. Because, yeah, you work with Sony, you don't answer yeah, to that. It's a partnership. It's, it's a promotion. It's not like... It's not like you know, me and my boss and I come into work every day. Like, you know what I'm saying? It ain't like that. I'm not no that, I'm not a PR person sending out letters to y'all. I'm not that's not me. I'm not that guy. I create content. I bring more attention to their products. I help them sell their products. You see what I'm saying? I review their shit. You know what I mean? They see a work in me. And I see a big work in them. I love Sony. You crazy everybody knows that. That's what I'm so, saying. When 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 you're in a partnership, it, it's it's a matter of you know, and, and of course that was the other thing which I was going to bring you to. Have have you has has your involvement with hip hop made you be a, you know just made you excluded from events? Like has it been a situation where you heard about an event, you were excited to go, and then conveniently enough because of who you were, you were kind of left off. Um, no. 
Not, not that I could. Nah, nah, that never happened to me. But wow. I tell you, I tell you what, I tell you, um, I tell you what has happened to me. Um, a lot of people, you know, stereotype me. A lot of people because they thought that, you know, I was just some dumb dude from the street that liked games but had no knowledge of nothing. You know what I'm saying? So automatically, you know, they label me. So a lot of people, you know, at first, they before they knew that I actually knew a lot of shit about the industry, about the games, about all that, about the people behind them, they, by the questions that was asked to me, everybody would always ask me about hip-hop or certain games that involve hip-hop. People wouldn't talk about me, talk to me about Final Fantasy or, shit, or nerdy shit because... <laughs> they, they they automatically thought that I I would have no idea of that, and then everybody thought that I was only getting far because of hip hop being a gimmick and all this other shit. I'm like, first of all, what really changed everybody in the industry was when I did, and I thank David Jaffe so much. David Jaffe, I love you. You my dude for life. I thank David Jaffe so much. But I did like an hour long interview with David Jaffe over Skype. When I wow. did that shit, we had, like, like a conversation that best friends would have. Like, you know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, it was truly, truly amazing and inspiring. And that right there and, and the way and, and the things that he had to say about me, like the things that David Jackie said about me, everybody was just like, yo, real talk. Yo, hip hop, like congratulations, man. I mean, even haters, because I remember the screen names from people. Like they was like, "Yo, you know, I give you a lot of shit, man. I talk about you, but I had no idea you was gonna do something like this. I had no idea you would even last." Or, yo, it was it was just a one of those touching moments of success where whether you loved it or hate it, you couldn't deny me that moment. Like, you know what I'm saying? That was that big change that the entire industry recognized me as as an equal, even if certain people, even if it hurt certain people to feel that way, you couldn't deny me at that point. And ever since then, I've been consistent. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. And, you know, we're we here talking about it today. Three short years. It's that's, crazy right now. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. And, and one thing I wanted to ask you, now with, you know, with, with, with the with Hip Hop Gamer Show, you know, reaching – you know, re- reaching Sony, reaching mass market appeal. You know, what's 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 the strategy going to be like now? You know, what mediums and how are you going to approach things now to continue to grow consistently? Like, where do you put it like this? Where do you see yourself this time next year in terms of growth? Like, what is something that you are aspiring to do now to grow yourself as a brand? Oh wow, there's a few things actually. Um, well, one of the things right now. Uh, is getting my music in video games. I actually have my songs in two video games that's coming out this year. One of them is a PS3 exclusive. And um, also, I got two more projects that I'm working on. One is another PS3 exclusive, and another one is a, a major title that's launching in 2012. So um, right about now, I've just been doing a lot of writing, making some major music, and that's one. The second thing is aligning myself with other websites. I can't speak on this now because I'm still under NDA, but I just signed a huge 
I, I consider it huge because the website is huge that I signed with. But I signed with a website, and it's a major cross promo deal, but it's, it's, it's big. It's really big. And um, I just signed it not too long ago, so now I'm part of that. So now it's about making the big deals. You know what I'm saying? The next thing that I'm doing is about, I'm working on signing with a major management company. Um, nothing's guaranteed yet, but I am about to start talking with Nick Cannon. And um, that should be a good move for me management-wise in terms of the entire company because that right there would lead me to TV shows and, you know, being a guest on shows like Jimmy Fallon and, and shit like that, you know what I'm saying? And consistent exposure like that is going to lead me to my TV show deal, which is the ultimate goal. I got goals beyond that, but right now that's like my ultimate goal, and I'm just doing a few steps taking a few short steps to get there. So that's been my game plan lately. And um, let's just say things have been working. People have been reaching out to me. It's, you know, looking good, you know. So that's that. those are the things I've been doing lately, and that's my plan, getting my show. Oh, nice. I, I um, And it's funny you reference, you reference TV because I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about the quality of gaming journalism from you know from from a TV side from the TV side of thing you know stuff like Attack of the Show and X Play and just G Four in general and I'll tell you why because I give them a lot of hate because they cover gaming like we're fucking stupid and it's frustrating <laughs> you know I agree with you <laughs> yeah, they, yeah I, I see what you say it's like uh, not get to you go ahead get the get your full question out I, I see what you mean though but get the full no. question out. Well, no, the, the, what, what I was saying is, in regards to that, um, how do you, what do you think would be the right approach to getting just, just gaming news out there to the masses, but not making it so fucking Bush League? Like, put it like this, like, you want to do a TV deal, and you want to get Hip Hop Gamer out there to the masses. The approach that you would use, you know, how do you think, gaming should be approached from that type of a medium because in print and on the web it's easy because there's words you don't really you're, you can hide behind that but on the tv yeah. side of things there's so much more involved how do you think gaming journalism needs to be represented for it to be successful you know on something like g4 and even from your own experience well the way it needs to be successful is to involve the community because the community is going to keep it real with you so if you add the mix of professional journalism with the actual community that's that you're reaching out to that has a voice as well, then you get a mixed bag. So it's not just bullshit and fluff. You get the real shit regardless if you like it or not. So just to give you a little hint, you know, my TV show that I'm working on is actually a talk show. It's completely different from what you see online. That's all I can see right, can see right now. But my show comes in the form of a talk show. And um, it's definitely going to, like, blow everybody away. Like, now, don't get me wrong. Adam Sester is my boy. I like Morgan Webb. Kevin Pereira, he's a cool dude. You know what I'm saying? Don't get me wrong. Like, I love what they've done in the industry, what they represent, and how long they've been able to do it. That is an accomplishment in its own right. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, you know, Michael Jordan eventually retires. LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, all these newcomers come. And then it's their time to shine and take over. And with what I got, like, coming, seriously, like, I don't mean to sound cocky, but I'm being dead as honest. In my heart, from what people said, from what people have seen, 
ain't nobody fucking with me when my show drops nationally. That, that That's just real talk. Because what I'm doing, what I'm offering, has so much longevity. But like this, my format will be able to compete against the Oprahs and the Jay Leno's and the Conan's of the world. That's huh? shit. That's the type of yeah. That's the type of show that I'm doing. But the amazing thing about it is that it's about hip hop games without the limitation of overall entertainment. So trust me, it's like it's just, it's too much, man. It's too much. Like you know. So I, I definitely I got some strong things going on and um. You know, I just thank you for the continued support from the fans, from the people out there. Like, currently right now, you know, in terms of traffic ranking, in the United States, I rank like 5,900 and something in in the entire United States in terms of traffic ranking. And around the world, you know, on Alexa, I rank like 38,000, you know what I'm saying, in terms of traffic ranking. So for me to be there independently, and my name is – what people follow, because when you go to site, you go to hip hop game or show. It's, it's me, like you know what I'm saying. To be that inspirational, to have that type of support, I, it's beyond me still. Like you know, I wake up in the morning like, oh shit, I'm a hip hop gamer. I go to my, I go to my uh, corner GameStop around my way. People know who I am. Like for real, like seriously, it's like it's getting to the point where, you know, th- this is going to be big, but not just for me. But gamers everywhere, whether you hate me or you love me, I got some shit for you. And I'm telling you right now, when you see it, when it comes out, and when it debuts nationally on television, it's like it's going to be the ultimate wake-up call that not everybody's going to be able to wake up from. It's like a it's like a <laughs> Mike Tyson punch-out back when he was, like, 22. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm eyeing Mike right now. I'm knocking you out. Well, you know, I got I to gotta tell you, I, I respect your hunger. I mean, meeting you at the Dual Shockers event, you know, I when when I met you, I, I'll be a hundred percent. I wasn't. I was concerned because you know you a name. It's like you go, you meet a name. Either you walk away satisfied with, with the person you meet, or you walk away, you know, disheartened because it's not what the the type of person you anticipated. And yeah. when when I met you at the event, I was pleasantly surprised not only at how humble you still were at, at, at your state in, at your stage of the game, but just how, how, how just natural you were with it. So, you know, I just, on a personal level, I got to applaud you for that, you know, because you didn't, you haven't let it corrupt you. You haven't let it ruin you. You know what I mean? You still hungry. You still go to your corner game stop and you don't walk in there expecting free shit. Oh, no, damn sure though. I love, I mean, real talk, I ain't rich enough like that, but, even when I get, not all the time, you know what I'm saying, but when I get free games, which I get, like, tons of, like, games from review copies, I still go out there to buy them because they still need support. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I still do that. But yo, your kind words was amazing. Like, real talk, though, I, I truly appreciate it. And I also appreciate you. I think you. It was, I think it was you. Yeah, I think it was you. I appreciate you taking pictures of me losing. No, hey, but, I... Um, the motherfucking motherfucking cap <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, that was a good match though. That was a good match, but I I, I came up short. It's all right. Put me on the card, man. I kill everybody. <laughs> there you go. But you know what it was? It, that that's the that's the funny thing. You see, you coming back like that is the right way to do it because you could have just as easily been like, "Hey, man, 
why should you put those pictures up of me losing? You know, that doesn't reflect well on me. Like, like you're still human. You haven't become something where you are bigger than what, you know, your name is bigger than what you are. I had a, I had a you know, I had a situation. No, I was going to say is we, we had a situation with, uh, with Cliffy from, you know, from Gears of War. Because, yeah. you know, we, we approached the dude and he came off a little, a little offhanded. So, you know, I had, I had to, I had to blast him in a post. But it's like anything else. You don't. You haven't. You haven't reached that moment, man. And and even when you get to the top, just just stay humble, dude. Because that, cause that's your selling point. That's what that's what separates you. Like when I went there, I expected something something you know a, a circus like atmosphere. But you were approachable. You were on the point. You were on point, and you were just you were there, just hanging out with everybody and, and just being a regular dude. So so please, you know, just just. On a personal, just keep that, because that's what makes you unique. Well, thank you, man. Wow, that yeah, that means a lot, man. And, and I'm gonna tell you, man. Like real talk, you know what I'm saying? It's like there's not one day, not one like second, you know that that goes past where you know I'm not thinking about my grandma. You know what I'm saying? Like that's like that's my world. That's my everything. You know. So to be honest with you, like losing her. That was like my most feared day ever in my life, and when it came and it happened during the win, it was like you know, I really I didn't know what to do. I did, I was really stuck, you know what I'm saying. But it's that quality that you just mentioned, you know, in terms of just being humble, humble and being you and being yourself. That same thing is what got me through this. It's like it's it, it's the most refreshing thing having quality people around you and in your life. I mean, real quality people because that's the only thing in life that's so beautiful that you can't put a price on. You see what I'm saying? And I will always thank everybody for that, and I thank you especially for that right now. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I, yo, I really appreciate that, man. Everybody that knows me and how you saw how I was when we was at the event, it's like I'm just thankful for every little thing or major thing I get because, like, all it is is that whatever I get, it's like I'm giving it back because just like how The Rock says, you know what I'm saying, like he's a people's champion, I feel like I'm doing things that a lot of other people wish they could or been able to do, but I try to, you know, do it in a way where they they still feel like they're a part of it with me every step, you know, so I appreciate that. Well, you know, it, it, one thing I wanted to ask you, it's funny you referenced The Rock, and, and I wanted to make sure I asked you this. How did the belt come into play? <laughs> Yo, everybody asked me that. This is hilarious. Um, I, I'm going to be honest with you. The, the way the belt came into play, you know, I, I'm be honest. Before I was, you know, hip-hop gamer, like, my rap name, my real rap name, they called me Jackal. You know what I'm saying? Like like a wild dog, they called me Jackal. So when I was in the streets a lot, I mean a lot, like I was underground streets and I was performing, right, Um, one day me and my old manager at the time, I was like, yo, I'm going to bring the belt on stage, yo. I'm going to just shut everybody down. And <laughs> uh, at the time, at the time, it wasn't the John Cena belt. It was the Brock Lesnar belt and stuff like that. So, you know, I went, um, I got on stage and I was rapping, right? Then I took my shirt off and I showed the belt. Everybody was like, oh, we got the belt, oh. And then I was up here rapping and shit, took the shirt off. Oh, it's crazy. So that that's actually how I started because, like, when I wore the belt, 
and the response that I got, it's like I really felt like I was a champion. And even when I didn't win certain things, it's like having that belt, it was like I felt like I was a champion. But that was it. Now I have the belt because now I feel like I'm a champion in life because of things that I've seen, struggles that I've gone through, and accomplishments, accomplishments that I've been able to, you know, overcome, you know, and, and achieve. And that belt is, is one thing that's an icebreaker. You know, everybody want to know what it's about, and that's how you bring people into your world. You know what I'm saying? That's one thing about it. Another thing about it is that I want it to be different. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to separate myself from everybody. And the way to do that is not to only talk about it, but show it. And it adds style to me. You know what I mean? So that was another reason why I added that in terms of style and recognition and the meaning of a champion. When I walk when I walk around a building, it's like, oh, the champ is here. You know it because I'm the best. And that's the way I feel. But thirdly and most importantly is because of my grandma, actually. My grandma gave me the drive to become a hip-hop gamer, and she always taught me that I can have anything I want in life, you know what I'm saying, and work hard for it. But she also told me to put God first and everything will work. So I actually live by that quote, you know, put God first and everything will work. And, you know, when you got God in your life, you will never lose, you know what I'm saying? And having that championship belt, it's like nobody can never take it from you. So it's like a staple in everything that I'm about, not just from a gaming hip-hop aspect, but just in everyday life, I am a champion. I am a winner. And this is just something that I use to help represent that, that everybody could identify with. And also, as part of the game industry, they do make wrestling video games, so that plays a role in it. But that's that's how, that's why I have it, because it's, it's like a, you know, like an emblem, so to speak, representing me being a champion in everyday life as I walk. And when I bring it to the game, when I bring it to the, you know, game industry and everybody see it and they love it, I mean, I'm not sure if you guys know, but you could actually go in a PlayStation home right now and get the hip-hop gamer shirt, and it comes with the spinning belt, and it says HHG, and it's spinning. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> like, so that alone right there is an accomplishment. Who would have thought that, you know, a kid out of Brooklyn will be able to do a deal with a corporation like Sony and get my style, my own likeness in the game. Like like, you know, in, in, in a in an atmosphere, in an application that's viewed by over twenty million people. Like seriously? You know what I'm that's saying? A, so it, that's that's a huge accomplishment. That's a culmination of some of some great work, man. That's that's thank fucking you, awesome. Thank you. Thanks, man. I, it's it's crazy. I will I will tell you this, and it's one of the last things I wanted to ask you. Um, something that I ask a lot of a lot of gaming guests that come on is their thoughts on the 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 gender the gender division uh, between male and female gamers. Last last week we had a a panel of competitive gamers on, and you know I asked them their thoughts on it, and I know that you spotlight a lot of a lot of the female gamers, and I've seen the the feedback. You know you get some feedback that like anything else you get feedback of the way you you put them out there, but then you also get feedback just of portraying them in a different light. In the grand scheme of things, how do you, you know, just how do you feel about that always being a subject in gaming, just the division on gender? Well, well, I feel that it's too separated. 
You know what I'm saying? It, 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 it's, it's sad to me because, you know, you got to – it's predominantly male. You know, everybody knows that. You know what I'm saying? But just because it's predominantly male doesn't mean there's no room for females. So, and a lot of times, you know, when it comes to gender, a lot of these females are like the flow with the dudes. <laughs> for real. A lot of these females are like the flow with the dudes. So that's what that's the thing that's kind of ironic. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. You know, when it comes to to like the whole gender thing, I think that the reason why you don't hear about or hear a lot about females and stuff like that is because that wasn't the cool thing to do. You know what I'm saying? Like like the stereotype of gamers was that all the guys play the games, or you a fat cop like fat couch potato or little white nerdy kid from the suburbs that don't get no ass, don't get no girls, don't get no nothing. It's like that was a stereotype. So when the media, when the mainstream media portrays the gaming industry as that, then the female gender is already out of it before they even had a chance to probably be in it. You know what I'm saying? It's just like the NBA, you know? Like you already girls wanted to play in the NBA but couldn't because there was no – WNBA, but there were so many girl talents out there that nobody knew about because the stereotype was basketball is a man's game. But once girls started showing that they can ball like the fellas, play with the fellas, it got so big that now when you talk about a – it's not about a male basketball player or a female. Nah, it's like, yo, shorty can ball, son. You got to see her handle, yo. It's like it's common now. It's a WNBA. So I feel the same stigma in basketball is the same thing that's starting to happen with the game industry because you got so many girl gamer websites starting to see a lot of girl gamer podcasts. And me personally, I got hot girls in gaming. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I highlight these girls. You know what I'm saying? And at the end of the day, you know, well, for the most part, a lot of these dudes are trying to be suckers. You know what I'm saying? A lot of the dudes are trying to hate on it at first. And I'm like, the reason why I hate on it is because, you want to be on the same side as the girls if a girl didn't like the whole being in bed part and shit like that. And don't, don't, come on. Like, you know what I'm saying? Real talk, dude, for real. You want to try to take her side? She don't like you. Even if you take her side, she's not going to like you. She's not going to fuck you. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, get that dream out of your head. Like, I, I, I'm a real dude. So, you know me, man. I, I just try to keep it real, real quick and simple. So, my thing is, out of all the shit, the good things that were said and the bad things that were said about the Hot Girls and Gaming show, people wind up knowing about the girls that they never knew about before. And that's what we all need to do. If every outlet on on uh, this, this web, on this whole gaming industry, if every outlet took time out to just show love to the women that's doing major shit, like, I'll give you an example. Black Enterprise Magazine, uh, Lizette from Blacks and Gaming, she was on the front cover of that shit. This is a black girl uh, gamer. She makes video games. She makes them. She's a gamer. Gorgeous. Her name was Lizette. Front page of Black Enterprise. Female. Crazy. Nobody talks about that shit. You see what I'm saying? How come IGN ain't covering shit like that? You know what I mean? Right. This is the problem. But... It's people like us that's working our way up to become that big. And when we become that big, then we're going to control the industry the way we want it. And I guarantee you that 
whole NBA, WNBA stipulation that, that exists now, you're going to start seeing all-girl tournaments in Call of Duty. You're going to start seeing people like the great fatality. As great as he is, he's going to want to get his ass whipped soon. You know what I'm saying? By a girl. Like, you know what I mean? There's girls. Shit, Bang Bang Sammy. My own girl, Bang Bang Sammy. This girl destroys everybody in Call of Duty. She can probably beat Fatality in Call of Duty. That's how nice she is. You see what I'm saying? Real talk. Her name is Bang Bang Sammy. But my thing is, nobody took time out to really highlight her and give her shine. Why is that? So, to me, when it comes to gender, I feel that it's growing. It's getting better. But at the rate it's moving, it's, it's more of the industry's fault why it's moving so slow. I feel that if the industry took some more time, instead of hating on other games and other people and other websites and focusing on building everything up because we're all in it together at the end of the day, the hell and that whole gender shit would be way more united and it would be commonplace to have a girl gamer. That's what I really truly believe. Well, that's the problem. They go and they, they and and you know, there's always and and I I kind of have to blame that also on what they do with, with 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 back to what I was saying, which is programming. They'll go and they'll put you know the pretty girl to talk to you about the games, whether she plays or she doesn't play. Why not just get a girl that plays games? You know what I mean? Like like must yeah, you? But, they, must but you a lot put of these girls they not look good enough. That's the fucked up part. Exactly, but you know that, that's a shallow way of looking at it. Exactly. So then, so see how you say that's a shallow way of looking at it. So if that's a shallow way of looking at it. Just imagine, just imagine. I give you a great example. You see that girl that was on the very first season of the Test? She wasn't that pretty. I think it was the first. Yeah, I think it was uh, the first season. I, I could be wrong. Could be second. But there was a girl on there. She wasn't that pretty. She had her glasses. She, she was a um, black girl, glasses, and she had dreads. girl could play her ass off. She's nice, but she don't got the look. Just like the music industry. You got women like Kelly Price, who's fat as a fuck, but could sing her ass off. Nobody wants to give her a shot. You know what I'm saying? So my thing is, is like, at the end of the day, you know, these major companies that could take a lot of these girls, and they know the girls, you know what I'm saying? They could take them take them to a whole new level and fix what we're talking about. But they're not going to do that because it's probably not beneficial for them business-wise. But it's, but it's for the business, it's your job as a journalist to not just give the news but to educate motherfuckers on the news. And why not use a girl that's educated, regardless of looks, to spread that news out? You see what I'm saying? They don't want to do that. So at the end of the day, these so-called super professionals making differences in the industry, they making differences in shit. You know what I'm saying? We the ones that are making real differences. It's just get overlooked because we're not in that position. But, but all that's going to change soon. I ain't worried about it. I'm going to be the one I agree 100%. Um, one thing I wanted to ask, I know that, that Slick was telling me that people are, are calling. I guess they got some questions. I just want to drop it out there. If they got some questions for you, the caller number is 347-324-3541. If you got any questions for Hip Hop Gamer, the caller number again is 347-324-3541. Please make sure to hit option one if you want to come on the air and you have any questions for him. Because um, <clears throat> he, he just messaged me telling me, he's like, yo, the board got a couple people that are calling in, so I'm, one, I'm wondering what they got to ask you. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I wonder it too. <laughs> Yo, this has been a great interview, man. I hope I like I really enjoyed it, man. Real talk. Well, the 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 good thing is that one you know once once the interview's wrapped and hopefully the computer's up, you're you know the interview. Yeah, that's one thing I had wanted to tell you. This interview will go on iTunes. It'll go on both our apps in iTunes and the Android Marketplace. So you know it's gonna it's gonna it, it makes the rounds. You know we put it on on our Facebook fan page. You know we all over the place. That's crazy. Hey man, we we we, we <laughs> try. Crazy, we try but um, I know I know that Slick had a question for you too. Let me let me oh, bring cool, him no in. Problem. If I can, what's up with this switchboard? Oh, I think he's actually screening a call. Slick, are you there? Yo, sorry, man. I had to field some crank calls. Ah, there you go. Listen, um, I know you had uh, some questions for Hip Hop Gamer, so um, what do you got for him, bro? Yeah, sorry about the silence there. Um, HHG, man, I just wanted to say congratulations on all your projects, and thanks for being on our show, man. Um, I really wanted to wish you luck with everything, and, like, I really just wanted to ask, like, um, it's something that comes up with, with me and Rich all the time, like, isn't, do you sometimes find it difficult to, to balance, like, your your work life and, you know, your your passion life, like this is your passion is eventually going to be a work life. While you're getting there, I mean, you had a lot of positive things to say about it. Are there ever days where you wake up and you just like, you feel like, you know, I just can't do it anymore? Um, wow, that's an interesting question. And thanks for all the support and nice words you have to say. Um, when I wake, like real talk, when I wake up in the morning, the I do get frustrated at times, but not because of the, you know, of the work or in terms of I can't do it anymore. I never have that feeling. But the feeling that I do have is, like, certain battles that I'm fighting that me personally, I feel I shouldn't have to, I shouldn't have to fight. Like, I'll give you an example. I still deal with racism in the game industry. Like, I deal with racism, like, for real, for real. And then my mind, I'm like, are you serious? This is the game industry. Like, seriously? And I deal with that. That's something that frustrates me because that's something that I don't think I'll ever be able to change. I'm black forever. You know what I'm saying? So if, you, if they're going to be that way, that, that's just how it is. But it's hurtful. It really is because it's like, you know, when you try to do something one way, and no matter what you do, certain people ain't going to change. They're going to be assholes. So that part right there when I wake up in the morning is always straightened. Now, in terms of the balancing the jobs, uh, yeah, it's difficult because, you know, I'm at Def Jam. I work at Def Jam Universal Records. So I'm there like nine hours of the day. I do have to take time out to sleep, and I still manage the website and all this other stuff every Like, so that it gets hard. It really does. But thing that allows me to keep going is that whatever I do, I make sure that it's such a big impact that it allows me to do other things while that's lingering. So I'll give you an example of how I got the PlayStation Home deal and stuff like that. When you don't, when you work hard like to do those type of things, it actually allows you to take certain breaks because 
I don't have to continuously put an article on my site every day. I have to continuously do certain days. I can actually take a break because of the hard work I put in initially. So that's a blessing, but it is difficult. And currently right now, what I'm doing is working my way to be able where I don't need that job anymore. In a moment I could focus full-time on Hip Hop Gaming Show, things would be a lot better and less stressful just on my body alone. You know what I'm saying? So it's definitely hard. I'm not going to even front. It's definitely hard. But uh, when your passion overrides the pain and, and the suffering, you'll, you'll find a way to win in the worst of times. You'll find a way to win. I hear that, man. I wanted to comment on what you said about the racism. Honestly, right. I mean, you, your brother, I'm a brother, Richard's a brother, Puerto Rican. Um, I, I wouldn't even, I mean, it is hurtful. I mean, I've dealt with it. We've all dealt with it. I really wouldn't even sweat that because racism is nothing but ignorance. Like, when when uh, Rich brought me on the line, he didn't hear anything because I was fielding callers. We had two prank callers. Now, if you called into the show just to be a dick and say something stupid, that means you're actually sitting here listening to the show. And you have nothing better to do but to try to mess up the show. Oh, Guess what? That's, that's crazy. what? that's what I'm here for. I work customer service for Verizon. I listen to that shit all day. I I get paid a shitload of money for it. So guess what? When you call in and you want to act stupid, it doesn't phase me. And wow. you think you're on the show, but you're not. That's crazy. That That's crazy for people to actually sit down for like an hour and a half just to try to ruin something. It's like they like so horrible. <laughs> they like, but you know what? They got like, they they probably still playing Nintendo 8-bit and they only got Duck Hunt. So they feeling fucked up and listen to us talk about Uncharted. <laughs> that's probably what it is. <laughs> that's, probably, that's probably what it is. But they feel bad that I'm talking about a 240-hertz TV and they should probably a small pink black and white TV like on that Martin episode. But let, let me stop. <laughs> I can go in, but it ain't even worth it. But, yo, real talk, man, your, your kind words is amazing, man. And and you, you know what I love? Like, like the fact that you're, like, just here and helping out and being a part of it, that, that means everything to me because we're reaching each other to get a bigger goal. That's what it's all about. So I appreciate you. Real talk. Thank you. I'm saying we got to back each other up. I mean, Rich had the problems with the computer, and we're almost lucky we, we could even do a show tonight. But he said, I need you here. I told him I'm here. And that's why we don't have to deal with shit like idiots trying to prank call. Crazy. Okay. Oh. Anything else to add, my buddy Slick? No, I'm good for now, man. All right, man. Thanks for calling. Right, be good, baby. You too, man. Peace. Hope to see you on Saturday. All right. Yeah, I um, I um, am doing the well. We're doing the Comic Con Saturday in the city. What? Wait. What? The Comic Con. Yeah, the big, yeah. There's a Big Apple Comic Con. It's two days, Saturday oh, and Sunday. Oh yeah, that's right. I got yeah, an email well, on that shit. I forgot. 
<laughs> yeah, we're we'll be we're gonna be covering that this weekend. Oh, well, I wonder what they're gonna be doing. What they showing? Uh, right now, it's it's just I, I mean, mostly it's a lot of comic stuff. They got you know the chick from V is supposed to be there uh, that oh, played oh, Anthem, oh. and um, guy the the guy that was Draco and Harry Potter, one of the one of the kid from uh, Walking Dead. So you know they got a couple people there, and I'm just gonna you know just go and cover the event, network a little bit, you know. Put some stuff on the site. Oh, so. I know people want to see, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't you didn't go to it. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, man. Yeah, crazy. See, I, I mean, like I said, I just came back from LA, though. You know what I'm saying? I, I was taking care of business out there, and um, that 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 was an amazing trip. <laughs> that was amazing. Oh man, like I wish I could talk a lot about that, but I, I, I'm under NDA, so I can't even go into detail. No, nah, that's fine, man. That's fine. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just glad you took the time out. Um, before I let you go, there's anything you want to promote? Anything in the works that you that you can announce that you want to just promote? Um, I mean the basic stuff. You know what I'm saying? Twitter.com/slash/hiphopgamer. Come check me out. Follow me. See what I'll be doing. Um, hiphopgamershow.com. Come definitely check that out. Cause I got so much content. Like I got the Backlash podcast. I got the Hot Girls in Gaming. I have the Hot Spot with my girl Gaming Goddess, my boy Black Stiff, and Solid Proof. I have uh, the Sweet Spot, which is just the Gamer Goddess. You don't want to miss anything the Gamer Goddess do. Real talk. You don't want to miss it. Um, I, I got uh, the Gamers 411 podcast. I, I mean, I just got so many original pieces, like original entertainment on my site, along with the regular daily news. So um, just come come check that out and uh in terms of everything else um I, I got a lot of projects that i'm working on can't really speak about stuff going on right now but let's just say uh check out some of my songs if you go to my website you can see some of my songs there so you can know what's coming like you know what i mean it's shit is good quality i'm nice i am nice trust me you don't love me you know what i mean so other than that um just uh, God bless everybody. It was an honor being on the show, man. I thank you so much. And uh, we definitely got to do this again. Um, I'll keep you informed with things I got going on. And then maybe you can have me on again and we can talk and promote some new things. Oh, absolutely, man. You have an open door invite for sure. You know, just holler at me on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. You know, we'll make it work. All right, cool, cool. No doubt, man. My dude, man. Congratulations on your site as well. And, um, you know, all the fans out there, like, just listen to this, just continue to support, and um, it'll definitely be worth it. Trust me. There you go. All right, my brother, take care of yourself, and we will talk soon for sure. All right, cool. One love, God bless. Peace out, y'all. Be good. All right, and peace. All right, you just heard the Hip Hop Gamer. You can follow him at twi- on twitter.com slash hiphopgamer. You can also go to hiphopgamershow.com for all the news, reviews as well as some of as hip as ugh, as well as some of Hip Hop Gamers tracks as well. You can hit him up on there and of course drop him a line on Twitter. Let him know that My Take Radio sent you. Um just before just before I wrap things up, I did want to go into a couple of things. Um as you all know and I probably didn't mention it at the top of the broadcast, we are on Get Glue now, so now when you listen to My Take Radio, if you are a Get Glue user, you can check in on Get Glue. Uh, th- there's actually a couple of changes coming to that. I sent some information to Get Glue only because they have us listed under TV, which, you know, it- it'd be nice to have, but 
that's not where we are, so I need that fixed. But until then, you'll still be able to check into the show either on MyTakeRadio.com or on our Facebook fan page. I also wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the fact that since I haven't been on the computer in a couple of days and the fan page has been a little quiet, I actually popped in there, and we are almost at 1,000 fans. We are at 949 so I want to welcome all the new fans that have come in, showing the support to MTR, and we're going to try and give you uh, some really great content. And I, w- I wanted to close out with one thing, and it's jumping back to wrestling. Last Saturday I had the privilege of attending a show by Pro Slam World at the House of Glory, at the House of Glory Wrestling Academy, which is run by Amazing Red and uh, Joel Maximo and Will Maximo. And I got to tell you, this was uh you know an independent show and it was it was intimate and it was very enjoyable and i will say that i i got some new respect for wrestling just based on that i mean i can come here every week and shit on wrestling and shit on the shitty writing and not give the certain performers the respect and and i do that not only because it's good radio but there are just some guys that fucking suck I'll be 100% honest with you. But there are a lot of guys out there on the grind just beating their bodies up, going from town to town. And I got a a first-hand look at that during the show this past Saturday. Mist was there as well. And, um, you know, we all all discussed the show, you know, off-air. And there there was a lot of great talent, just a lot of talent that kind of goes under the radar that is – that, that they just work hard, man. You know, you're in a you're we the House of Glory school is is in a large gymnasium. Um, they teach MMA there and boxing, and you know it, it was packed. There were people there. We actually stood the entire event. Me and Andrea, we stood for roughly three hours taking pictures. We took over 300 photos. You can see some of the photos on my, on our Facebook fan page, facebook.com/slash/mytakeradio, and check out the gallery there. Um, Amazing Red actually finished off his feud with Lorenz Dean in, in a match that was that was very well done and well executed. Uh, props to Lorenz Dean for being a, a professional. And I will give you guys an update on that. If you guys remember the first time Amazing Red was on, Lorenz Dean called the show, and you know Lorenz Dean was cutting a promo more, trying to cut a promo on Red. And you know we, myself and Slick, we approached it as if it was you know, a real, a real beef. So, you know, we addressed it as such. And later on, you know, you, you start, you, you stop and think for a minute and you're like, you know, this is all wrestling and there's always a, a facade behind it. So when we went to the show, I actually approached Lorenz Dean, you know, and in approaching Lorenz Dean, I was like, Hey man, you know, I'm rich from my take radio. You called in the show trying to cut, a promo on Red, and you know you kind of derailed the show. A lot of people got a, got offended, you know, got mad because they thought it was a legit beef, you know. Because let's not kid ourselves. We all know wrestling isn't real. So anybody that thinks any other kind of bullshit, you know, wake the fuck up. You know, it's it, 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 wrestling is wrestling, and you you got to watch the build up like anything else. And there's no, you know, there's no. There's no secret to that because when I approached him, if it was a legit beef, like me approaching him 
pretty much put it out there that you know it, it's wrestling. You know, it, it is what it is. And when I approached him, he uh, he laughed and he was like, "Oh man, you know, I'm sorry about that." You know, and and yeah, he's like, "You know how it is." And I I gained respect for him as a performer, but also as an individual, because when you do that, you you're you're stepping outside of the box, so to speak. You're you're going beyond just being a character and you're just being an individual and you're expressing gratitude just for knowing you know, just for just for being there showing support. And um the way I see it is all the guys that work there from Kid Glory to Kev Cush, um to Panda Man, there's actually a wrestler named Panda Man that wears a panda mask. I'm not even bullshitting you. He comes out with bamboo, and there's photos of him on our Facebook fan page. These guys, they go in there, and they beat the shit out of each other, and they 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 break up their bodies for our, you know, for our enjoyment. And like I said, I just gained a newfound respect for them and just for the guys that are out there busting their ass on the road. And this goes back to even the bigger promotions because these guys are working with no health insurance. They got to pay their own health insurance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, versus the UFC, which they, you know, the UFC now is actually paying for the insurance of its fighters. So there's a different realm of security there. But for wrestlers, it's still independent contractors that have to pay for all their tests and all their injuries on the road. And, the, just getting a glimpse into that and being welcomed into that world was was great for me just as a, as a fan and great for the show. So, you know, definitely, you know, I got to throw a, a shout-out to Miss for putting me on to that. And, of course, I got to throw a shout-out to, uh, you know, Red and his family for just making us feel welcome and everybody approaching us after the show and, and just breaking everything down for us. It, it was It was really great. And, you know, if you get a chance, stop by the fan page, check out the photos. And once the computer's up and running, we're going to do a full write-up of the event, and we're going to try and put up more pictures. Like I said, we took over 300 photos. There's a couple of great ones in there. Um, Amazing Red doing a, a frog splash, you know, in honor of Eddie Guerrero. He actually used that to in his match with Lorenz Dean. Just just really great stuff and, and really great performers there. So i got to throw a shout-out to all those guys from House of Glory, you know, Rob Fury and those guys for just, just being – being approachable and being cool because one thing that Mist and I have talked about at length is meeting some of these people that you're a fan of and being disappointed with the results just from the standpoint that you meet them. And sometimes, it's like like I was saying before when I was talking to Hip Hop Gamer, you meet them and it's not all it's cracked up to be. And it, and it happens, but it, it was really great. And like I said, it was a fantastic experience. So I just wanted to share that with you guys before – we wrap things up. I am going to wrap up the show a little early only because, like I said, you know, I have no notes. I have no idea what the fuck is going on, and it would be a disservice to you, the listener, for me to just sit there talking shit for the next half hour. So with that being said, you've just heard My Take Radio episode 92 for Thursday, May 19th, 2011. Again, you can check out our guest, Hip Hop Gamer, at hiphopgamershow.com or on Twitter, twitter.com slash hiphopgamer. If you want to email me to be a host, I mean to be a host, to be a guest, excuse me, to be a guest, or you have any questions or concerns, feel free to drop me a line at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you're on Twitter, you can follow me on the MyTakeRadio account, 
or on my personal account, which is no longer Akuma25. It is now MTR underscore Rich. Again, the my personal Twitter account is MTR underscore Rich. If you're on Facebook, hit us up on our Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash MyTakeRadio. And if you want to check out our apps, you can go to the Android Marketplace or to iTunes and just punch in MyTakeRadio and you can pull it up there. Last but not least, if you are getting the show from iTunes or from the Zoom Marketplace, take a few minutes and just review the show. Help us move up the rankings. It allows us to get more exposure and allows us to reach more people. That's going to wrap it up. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to Hip Hop Gamer for coming through. Slick, you're a clutch dude. Thanks for coming in and helping uh, helping everything out. And keep an eye out on MyTakeRadio.com, our Facebook fan page, and on our Tumblr page, which is MTRExtras.tumblr.com. Keep an eye out for on all those sites over the course of the weekend, and you'll see some of our coverage from Comic-Con, pictures, posts, all kinds of stuff. So be on the lookout for that. And that's going to be Saturday and Sunday. I will catch you guys next week, hopefully with a fully operational computer, and we will probably have a guest. Once I get my stuff in order, I'll be able to let you guys know on the Facebook fan page and on Twitter. Until then, peace. Taking us out this week is going to be the Super Street Fighter 4 Ryu Mix, which is on the Heroes and Villains official soundtrack. You can get that at ocremix.org. And you can also look for the Torrent link on ocremix.org as well for the full album. And the artists are Zircon and Josh Morse. Peace. Peace.